Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to the very final episode of Politics Over Coffee. There are a lot of emotions, Ollie. A lot. There are. Mm-hmm. Difficult to imagine that we're actually here. This is the 100th episode, five years in. For, for a huge number of reasons, it's it's hard to believe that we're here. It's also sort of hard to believe that we're at the end as well. We are, yeah. I mean, we spoke about this on our announcement episode where we announced the ending of this show is that I don't think either you and I really believed that we were going to make it to 100 episodes. It was just the number that we threw out of there. It was nice, you know. It was a ton, you know, the the century. And I think, I think correct me if I'm wrong, when we set out to do 100, we weren't doing Around the World. We weren't really doing no, any we bonus episodes. We weren't doing Patreon. So, it's a it's 100 politics over coffee original for one of a better description shows we have done actually do you want me i'll just jump we're straight into stats? statistics yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I love stats by the way i'm gareth here's ollie you know that by now hello everybody i hope you're well welcome to our last episode here are some stats that we're going to be throwing at you across the podcast we have done 212 individual uploads wow so that is 100 poc we've done 54 around the world we've done 49 patreon and we've done nine special episodes or little announcements and things like that so 212 uploads that is nuts. Now, when we were off, uh, before getting a coffee, I asked you, how many hours do you reckon that we've uh, uploaded? Well, I didn't know that we'd done 212 uploads, but I guessed that we'd done 200 hours. 170. Okay, so we're yeah. that far off. 10,210 minutes. And, and that's Ten, edited down. That's God edited knows down. how God many hours there was without that. <laughs> 10,210 minutes. My God. For posterity, everyone can listen to 10,000 minutes of us talking, should they so choose. So, we definitely have enough audio out there now that if somebody wants to come along and make a fake video, a deep fake of us, yeah, they've got enough audio, they can do that. <laughs> so, <laughs> Just be suspicious if you see one with our faces in it, because yes. that would be more difficult. <laughs> Today's episode, this is going to be our regular end of year roundup. We're going to do the stupidest political news item of the year. I have... Quite a few countdowns until uh, I think I have a top seven, I think it is, before we get to number one. And then we have an added bonus of doing the stupidest political news article across the whole five series. And I know you've got a few that I do count have down. a few. Okay, cool. We'll balance it out then. Some, I've got some little memories from, yeah. <laughs> from, from the back catalogue, so to speak. And then we're going to do our year in review as, as normal. So we're going to talk about Australian and US politics, review that. And then, of course, we're going to do our around the world review. And then we're going to do our series review. Some thanks. Some uh, We got some really nice feedback over the last couple of weeks that we're going to read out on air. And then, as I said before, we're going to get emotional. We're already drinking wine. There's scotch to my left. Uh, yeah, I know. In fact, one of the things that I spotted when I was going back through our catalogue was an episode from Series 1. Oh, Jesus Christ, where I got drunk. Yeah, yeah. And it's in the show notes on the website. One of us stayed sober. One of us did not. Yeah. How drunk was I? I didn't actually re-listen to that. Did I get very drunk? Was it obvious that I was... There was a lot of giggling, if memory serves. I didn't listen (laughs) to the episode. I didn't listen to the episode. That's amazing. I'll be tempted to at some stage. How have you been since the last time we talked? How are you feeling right now? I've been okay. I've been okay. There's lots going on outside of podcast Mm, world, mm -hmm. um, which hasn't been the easiest time. And we're coming to the end of the year, both the calendar year and the the end of financial year at work. Mm. Uh, So, there are a lot of things coming to a head all at once. And and I'm sure there's similar things for you. You know, this this year even has been... 
a year unlike any other, really. Forget COVID, forget the work shutting down, restarting. I mean, it was for personal things. Yeah. The last two, two and a half years have just kind of beat the crap out of me. And yeah, so it, it's going to be a really weird Christmas uh, this year. Very different um, for both of us, very different for different, completely different reasons. Um, but yeah, I'm. <sighs> It's almost a, a mild state I'd, of shock. Do you feel a little yeah, bit stunned little bit, by the yeah. whole thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How is it the 20th of December? I know. Even as slow as this year has gone with everything, with COVID, we're still at the blink 20th of, of December. Yeah, yeah, blink of an eye. Exactly right. Five years ago, mm. we, we sat down- In your kitchen. In my kitchen yeah. in, in, in Dandenong Road and started this podcast, sharing a microphone at one point. That was a long time ago. <laughs> yep. Long Before time. we and got was, the mixer. And yeah. it wasn't these microphones no, either. No, 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 no. It was no, like no. a monodirectional- no, no, it was this. It yeah, was no, an old was, style with like a metal. That's right, yeah. it was too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, before we got these. And these I got nice heaps ones. of trouble all the time for turning my head and not speaking mm. into the microphone. It's and, an art. It is an art. And these these mics that we have now are obviously much better. We've had them for years, but yep. um, yeah, that's. <laughs> well, I've got a very distinct memory of a picture that was uploaded. Of us, the back of us? That's what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My, my, my wifey took a picture of that and. Um, <sighs> Still not comfortable saying ex-wife because we're not divorced yet. We're still in that separated period. But uh, she took a picture of us from behind and, and we posted it up there. Yeah, you and I talking into the one microphone. Yeah, yeah before we had these proper stands, before yeah. we had the mixer. So when we were just fledgling podcasters, not knowing. So wet behind the ears, so green. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a lot. There's there is. a lot. And then just bringing this to a close. I mean, this has been such a monumental part of our lives for so long. I mean, five years is a good chance. 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020. Yeah. And as we will find out when uh, when I read out some uh, listener feedback, this has been a big part of some people's lives, like uh, quite a few people's lives. This is but the feedback we got, freaking amazing. It's awesome. This is like I was expecting, good on you guys, great stuff. We'll miss you. No, no, I got like paragraphs worth of like you guys rock kind of thing so and from people that as i understand i haven't seen them all but i as i understand these are people we don't actually know personally no 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 no, no, no. Yeah, some yeah. of them yes some of them some no. Of no yeah i got one really really awesome message which i'm not going to say who because i'm going to build up some suspense okay. towards the end of the uh, podcast but for me it just encapsulates everything that we we're trying to do with the podcast and then of course i'm going to read out my favorite review of all time, that one out of five Yay. star. Yes. I love it. So, <laughs> all right. Shall we jump into our stupid political news? Yeah, let's. Uh, all right. Or do, we, do you want to hear some more statistics? No, no. I'm for statistics, actually. Oh, yeah, you are yeah. statistics, man. Okay. Top five countries. I'm going Australia number one. Yep. United States number two. Yep. Canada number three. Actually, Yes, actually. And then the, the biggest region for this year as well. It grew the most this year wow. from Canada. Yep. Uh, um, number four... Somewhere with a lot of VPNs or something. Um, <laughs> no, 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 actually. No, uh, the, the UK. UK? Yeah, UK. Okay. And number five, Germany. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. On Spotify, we will listen to in over 44 countries, which is pretty damn wow. cool. Yeah. Yep. And our downloads put us in the top 40% of all podcasts in the world, which is pretty awesome, considering that's, there's 1.5 million podcasts. We're yeah. in the top 40%. We're in the top 40%. Yep. Wow. So, yeah, yeah. That yeah. I didn't see coming. No, 40%. I know. Neither did I. Yeah, top wow. 40%. Yep. So I'm pretty happy with that. I mean, considering like the top ten percent, it's a massive jump between yeah, like yeah, twenty and, and it's people with existing brands, exactly right, or it's true crime. <laughs> well, here's the thing with podcasting: podcasting is an exercise in managing expectations. You see all the big, massive podcasts these days: Serial, This American Life, 
Joe Rogan. They're the ones who started when podcasts were starting and they were able to get there and build up their audience rapidly. The other ones are like ABC, The Guardian, Fox News, all those, you know, they have corporate backing. So for us to be able to be in the top 40% of podcasts in the world and we do this part-time and we fund it ourselves. No existing brand. No, no existing brand. That's awesome. That's freaking awesome. I'm so happy with that. So pretty cool. That's awesome. I have more stats, but let's get into our stupidest of political news articles for for 2020. 2020. You might as well jump straight into this. Well, I understand that you have rather more than I do. I, I do. Mean, I have three, uh, and so perhaps we'll we'll jump between ourselves. Will you go a couple? I'll go one. You go a couple. I'll yeah, go let's one. do it. Let's yeah. do that. Let's do that. Okay. In seventh place. Seventh, okay. Yeah. I just started, and I'm just like, look, this is our last episode. I'm going to indulge, do and it. who's oh, look, who's going to begrudge us? Wait, Ooh, wait really? till you get to our stupidest news <laughs> in POC history, because I have most certainly <laughs> indulged there. All right, in our seventh place, Rudy Giuliani. That's it. That's, That's it. the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> Anything Fantastic. and everything to do with Rudy yeah, Giuliani in 2020. Ridiculous, man. ridiculous. From his defense of Trump right up to his scene in Borat too. Everything about Rudy Giuliani is ridiculous. In sixth place, I have one on Rudy. That oh, okay. That is unsavory and, and could probably go unsaid but there was an instance yeah. where he was sitting in court very recently mounting a defense of the trump campaign <sighs> which is to say attacking the biden campaign yeah. and 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 you know the, the contention that the votes mm-hmm. were not legitimate and blah mm-hmm. blah, blah and mm-hmm. he farted <laughs> so loudly it was picked up by the microphones oh, of course he did anyhow lowbrow <sighs> lowbrow yeah Rudy giuliani just does not belong anywhere near a court or a television. How is he still a lawyer? Anyway. In the flimsiest of senses. Number six. This comes from episode 14. Uh, so, The Matrix was revealed to be an oh, allegory that was, for... That was really good. Transgenderism. Yeah. yeah. So, this renders every online male-centric white supremacist and incel-related group that used the scene where Neo takes uh, the red pill to see how far the rabbit hole actually goes. Well, they've completely chosen the wrong movie <laughs> to, uh, to adopt. Yeah, Absolutely. These online hate groups believe that being red-pilled means that they see the world for what it is, meaning that feminism is a lie, Ollie, and that men are the ones that are truly oppressed. Uh, That is, of course, bullshit. Uh, Instead of online forums, I suggest anger management classes and therapy. So that's number seven and number six. What about you, sir? Okay, so I I start with the one that I think is the most absurd, and I think it's just absurd. I'll read out the first part of it, and and, and that's basically the entire thing. Earlier this year, Fox News host Tucker Carlson (laughs) attacked Elmo. Yep. And and almost nothing more needs to be said. It was in the context of a Sesame Street special uh, where Elmo and his father Louie discussed racism. In a in a one-off yes. town hall style episode, this is something that Sesame Street has tackled before. They've explained HIV/AIDS and and a number of other difficult topics, mm. mm-hmm. uh, particularly sure. because it is really hard to explain things like this to younger audiences. And so Sesame Street has done an incredible job of this in the past. They did a very good job in this instance as well. Carlson, of course, considered this to be a message from Elmo to America's children that they are bad, that they are wrong, and that no matter what anyone did to you when you was a kid, <laughs> you can't complain, and they will come for you. Well, uh, they will, and they do, often. Who is they? I don't know. What are they, I don't know. Who are they coming for? Why are they coming for them? Have Elmo you, is coming for me, have you seriously. Ever, have you ever seen anybody in a FEMA camp? No, Big Bird's coming exactly for me. Right. That's what's that's happening. exactly right. Big Bird. That's how secret they are. 
that you have never seen somebody in a FEMA camp. You've never seen someone disappeared into a FEMA camp. That's because that's how good they are at disappearing people into FEMA camps. You've then, never seen anybody do that. You just hide them in a big bird costume. <laughs> I guess so. I don't know. Ridiculous. Uh, so uh, that's, that's number three for me. Are the protesters sad? They are sad and upset. And they have every right to be, Elmo. People are upset because racism is a huge problem in our country. Across the country, people of color, especially in the black community, are being treated unfairly because of how they look. It's children's show. Got that, Bobby? America is a very bad place, and it's your fault. So no matter what happens, no matter what they do to you when you grow up, you have no right to complain. What was I up to? I'm fifth. Okay. Mm. So this is from episode 15. This is my fifth entry. Anybody basically who calls Victorian Premier Daniel Andrews a dictator. Dictator Dan. Disagree with him all you like, but calling Dan Andrews a dictator is just ignorant to what a dictator actually is. But actually, I find it immensely insulting to uh, the victims of authoritarian regimes. Just one question to Victorian Liberal MP Tim Smith. Um, (laughs) After all your bullshit tweets and attacks on Dan Andrews, did any secret police come in the middle of the night, snatch you away uh, to a secret holding facility and torture you? No, they didn't. No, that's that's what dictators do. That's what Mm. dictators do. So, Tim, how about you shut the fuck up? And how about you let Dan Andrews just try and run the state as best he can during a pandemic and actually add to the conversation in a constructive way? I don't care if you disagree with Andrews. That is absolutely fine. But do it in a constructive way. And also, just as a little appendium to to number five, all the anti-lockdown protesters who were protesting while the lockdown measures were being eased. What are you protesting about? I don't, Just, I don't get it. And protesting for the sake of protesting. I which, think so. Which doesn't speak enormously yes. to the strength of the cause. No, no. All right, so uh, my fourth place. This is from episode 16. Anybody who was shocked by Donald Trump's god-awful, disrespectful and belligerent performance at the first debate with Joe Biden. As I said in that episode, were you not paying attention to who Donald Trump is for the entirety of his presidency? Of course he was going to act like or that. Or his period Or his entire life. Television. Yes. Or... In any interaction with anybody ever. (laughs) Basically, as I said in episode 16, you had pure, unadulterated, straight-from-the-source Donald happening in that debate. That's who Donald Trump is. I'm surprised that anybody was surprised that he acted the way he did, because that is Donald Trump. I would love to know where they've been all this time (laughs) for them to have watched the debate all of a sudden and be surprised. Yes. All right. Your turn, sir. Number two. You got a number two. I'm stealing one of yours. This was the stupid news that you brought up, and it is 5G causing COVID and or radiation sickness. (laughs) Okay, I'll go for number three then. (laughs) I had a funny feeling I might be stealing that one, but (laughs) we can both talk about that one. Yeah, very much. It hurt my brain when you talked about it, and I like to pretend that it's not something that was a real thing, but it was. And as you correctly reported at the time, there were people in the United Kingdom attacking 5G installations. Yes, they were. Vandalizing them and trying to stop them from stealing Mm -hmm. people's brainwaves and so on. (laughs) Astonishing. And the contention that it was causing radiation sickness? Literally, no evidence at all. No, no, nothing. Nothing. And fabricated. That, yeah, and there was 5G was uh, creating, was actually killing people, and there wasn't a virus. Then there was the other version of the conspiracy theory where the virus was actually being transmitted through 5G. Ooh, mama. Still those places <laughs> where where there weren't any 5G towers, but there was the virus. Well, like, 
And vice versa. South Korea had 5G towers for like a year and only and no virus. No virus until it escaped from Wuhan and that's when the virus... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was yeah. a good one. Well, my third one was, as mentioned through all throughout 2020, was COVID conspiracy theories in general. This included the chlorine dioxide liquid cures that I spoke about in episode one. Anything with chlorine in the title just don't drink don't it don't drink it yeah, no yeah. no um the 5g killing people the pandemic documentary <laughs> oh my god and the anti-lockdown protesters so yeah just generally my third entry was just all the conspiracy theories all the the covid19 conspiracy theories inclusive uh including the um 5g one so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. my second one mm. i actually have two that are tied for number one but wow. um yeah okay. i know second the fall of jerry falwell jr I heard, oh. like, well, when I listened back through the back catalogue, so that came good. up and I thought, it's got to feature in Garrett's yeah. snow. Because oh, you, know that, it you, will. you spent real time on that one when we recorded <laughs> yeah. it, and it deserved it. So, the ultra-conservative Christian leader, I guess, I guess you'd call him a leader at one point, along with his wife, had to step down from their prominent position at uh, Liberty University, the university started by Jerry Falwell's father, Jerry Falwell Sr., because of a sex scandal. Uh, what started the scandal was a photo on Instagram with Falwell posing with a woman other than his wife with his pants slightly undone. Very tame when it came to Instagram standards. And it ended with the revelation that his wife was banging the pool boy whilst Junior watched in the corner. For a long time. That was For a nice. long time. That's been happening for a long time. Now, I have no issue with sexual fetishes like cuckolding. I have no issue with that at all. But when you are preaching a very specific and strict code of ethics and morality, especially around sexual purity, and then you go against exactly what you preach, you are nothing more than a money-hungry, power-hungry, friggin' hypocrite. hypocrite. You are a hypocrite of the highest order. You deserve to lose your position at that university. You deserve to lose your social standing. Practice what you preach. And if, or shut up. Or shut up. As I said, there's nothing wrong with what they did. It was consenting adults, but the hypocrisy and the money earned and the power gained from the position that he's taken. And the position that he's taken and been in that has derived that income and that power and whatever else is hypocritical. The I, whole thing no crumbles yes. like a house of cards. Yeah, absolutely. There are so many people... Um, John Lewis, for example, is a person, and we'll talk about him later, perfect example of a man that lives to the actual word of the scripture. And I love people who do that because if you strip away all the bullshit, all the Jerry Falwell kind of bullshit, the conservative bullshit of Christianity, and you just go back to the basic teachings of Jesus, actually really cool core beliefs to follow, core values, absolutely. And and it's that ability to separate the wheat from the chaff. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't mean that in a cruel or, or, or an insensitive way, but I mean that there are teachings from these ancient religions which can be carried forward to today and yeah. be extremely valuable moral, ethical guides. And there are equally lessons from from these historical texts which belong in their historical context and do not deserve to be brought to the mm-hmm. future, such as... If you work on the Sabbath, you should be put to death. Well, <laughs> or if you uh, wear two different kinds of cloth, yep, or things or like that. You mm. touch the skin of a pig, for example. Mm-hmm. If you play football, <laughs> these are the things that we can yeah. probably eschew. But there are a lot yeah. of things in there that are, yeah. have a lot of value. They do absolutely. So when a Jerry Falwell comes along and falls in such a dramatic fashion, 
oh, there's schadenfreude there. Mm. Not because of the Christianity bit and because I'm an atheist. It's not that at all. It's because you are an absolute hypocrite. And if you were true to who you were, well, if you were true to who you were, you wouldn't actually be in that position. But if you were true to who you were, I'd actually applaud you. I'd say, yeah, cool. You love cockholding. Go for it. Fetish away, motherfucker. I don't or care. Or start a university that is in keeping with your beliefs and it, the things that you, you yeah. know, that you, what you are actually living yeah. in your life. Yes, absolutely. What a dick. What an absolute douchebag. Anyway, that is my second stupidest political you news have article. unintentionally led directly to my number one. Number one. Oh, fantastic. And my number one isn't going to be news to anybody because it was my stupid news from last episode <laughs> because Look, it when, was... You know what? I thought to myself, how can Ollie top this for I, this year? I can't. Yeah, no, I listened can't. to every single yeah. episode over the year. <laughs> Nothing topped that. <laughs> When I, but I when want to I, hear it again. I want okay, to hear it again. I've, yeah. I've tried to Just refresh go. it. Just do it. Just uh, so, it. European MP, he's from <laughs> Hungary. He is in Belgium. He attends a 25-man gay sex party <sighs> in Brussels, where there are lockdown restrictions. The police receive a noise complaint. <laughs> they show up. <laughs> They demand to see everybody's IDs. Yes. Of course, nobody's wearing trousers. <laughs> presents a problem. It's an orgy. Somebody <laughs> jumps out a window, runs along a ledge, and, and scales down a drain pipe in order to escape. The police, unsurprisingly, apprehend this person, mm-hmm. who subsequently identifies himself as a European MP. Yes. Who has achieved such things as rewriting the Hungarian constitution to ensure that LGBTQI people can't get married. Yeah. In fact, he actually authored that section. Did he of really? The constitutional. Oh. See, this is a little bit of fresh information there I for knew you. It was part of it. I didn't realize he authored actually it. Actually, ah. drafted that change. Oh, wow. That was that was what was what oh I found this week. And this homophobes, is, man, homophobes. This is now set against new con- uh, some new context for you, Gareth. It's okay. not necessarily Excellent. new news, but this is something I didn't have last time. Okay, and that is that Hungary's government has drafted a change, another one, to the country's constitution that would have the effect of banning adoption by same-sex mm. couples and hetero couples who aren't married. Oh, Jesus. So, and oh, it would... And I'm, and that I'm, is ultra-conservative. I'm quoting oh. here. The proposed amendment would specify that the mother is a woman, the father is a man, and permit only married couples to adopt children. <sighs> That's horrible. You think, Wow. Wow, we're going backwards marriage. real quick there. Marriage does not a parent make. Nope. No. Not very at all. strange. Anyhow, yeah. th- th- this... He's also... I, don't, I can't remember if I don't think I mentioned this. He was also a founding member of that right-wing party, mm-hmm. Fidesz. I you didn't mention it, but yeah. But yeah, yeah, that's... This is... This is the hypocrisy. This is the... Yeah. Well, if you were a gay man, perhaps founding an anti-gay political party might be considered... I don't know, a little incongruent. Yeah. Just a tiny bit. A little bit. As I said last week, at the heart of most homophobic people is a gay person. You know, as Dan, uh, as Dan Andrews. Dan Andrews. I'm sure you said this. Thank but you, as Dan, <laughs> as Dan Savage, the LGBT activist and commentator, has said before, and I mentioned this last week, is that homophobic people usually are gay people who are externalizing an internal battle. And... The more you repress who you are, the more you uh, will one day end up in Belgium in a 25-man orgy, running away from police while shuffling along a gutter, 
probably completely naked. And the thing you forgot to mention, as you'd mentioned last week, you had a backpack, backpack full, full of, of drugs. narcotics. <laughs> yeah. I still don't know what the drugs were. I went no. looking. I don't know which ones they were. But um, uh, there were some interesting quotes by the man who arranges these gay sex parties, Gareth, in an interview. Yeah, he it. complained that... Uh, he complained about the way the police had conducted this raid, so to speak. You, you were defying COVID lockdown. Correct. It had nothing to do oh. with the, but it was made out that way. Mm-hmm. And I thought, this is just disingenuous as well. Yep. You no, know, if you are breaking COVID lockdown rules and you make a lot of noise and then your neighbours say to the police, hey, there's a lot of people next door making a lot of noise. Yeah, 25 guys fucking each other. That's going to be well, a lot of noise. Says, Look, we, yeah. we eat some food. We have some drinks. We have conversation. And in between, we have sex with each other. Cool. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Just not during COVID lockdown. Pandemic. Yeah, pandemic. Yeah. Mm. Unfortunately, the Overarching. Context, yeah. Mm. Context. Context yeah. is important. Yeah. The, the gay orgy <laughs> came second in that particular instance to public safety. Oh, you know. Oh, hypocrisy. Oh. Yeah, I, I, when, when I heard that last week, when you were reading it, I'm like, this is going to be his number one for the year. No, it, yeah. it, it, it would be an all-time politics over mm-hmm. coffee, stupid political Oh, it's, it's an epic. It's oh, God, yeah. <laughs> out of this world, out of this world. And, and could everybody please respect the fact that it should only reflect on him and not on his political movement oh, or on yes. his country? Yeah, of course, yeah. Um, yeah, his personal life should stay personal. I absolutely agree. Unless you are the person vilifying LGBT constitutional community. Constitutional amendment, yeah. you feck. <laughs> Anyhow, Gareth, what is your... Well, I have two. I have time. Oh, yes, you I've, said. Yeah, you I, 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 can't, I couldn't split these two. And granted, I should have just made a top eight rather than a top seven <laughs> with, you know, two number ones. But this is... This That's is how, fine. Yeah. So I could have easily just said the way that Donald Trump acted during uh, the lead up to the election, during the election, and the tantrum he is still throwing after his election loss. But no, there is one moment during this year that showed that Donald Trump was completely unfit to lead anything. Basically unfit to lead a little league baseball team made out of cardboard cutout players, let alone be the freaking president of the United States during a pandemic. I think this is the dumbest thing that Donald Trump has ever said. Wow. Okay. In this particular audio, he was making a genuine effort to sound like he was informed, that he was cutting edge. That he was directing scientists. I know what this is. Yeah, exactly I know what this right. is, yeah. and it's in my stupidest news of all time. Is it really? It is, it is, it is Should I hold yeah. off? No, no, no. Go, go, go. Okay. Oh, it's in my. It's not my stupidest news of okay, all time. Good. It's in okay. The- all right. Okay. And he wanted to make the impression that they were actually listening to him during a press conference in April. Donald Trump was talking about ways to combat COVID-19. This was, of course, months and months away from any form of vaccine being on the market. So during the press conference, he turned to Dr. Deborah Burks, I think it is, or Bricks. Was it Burks? Oh, I can't remember. stretching my memory. Either way, it doesn't matter. The White House Coronavirus Response Coordinator. And he said this. So supposing we hit the body with a tremendous, uh, whether it's ultraviolet or just very powerful light, and I think you said that hasn't been checked, but you're going to test it. And then I said, supposing you brought the light inside the body, you can, which you can do either through the skin or uh, in some other way. And I think you said you're going to test that, too. Sounds interesting. We'll the right, folks who right. And then I see the disinfectant where it knocks it out in a minute, one minute. And is there a way we can do something like that uh, by injection inside or or? Almost a cleaning, because you see it gets on the lungs and it 
does a tremendous number of the lungs, so it would be interesting to check that. So that you're going to have to use medical doctors with. But it sounds, it sounds interesting to me. So we'll see. But the whole concept of the light, the way it kills it in one minute. I must have heard that a dozen times at least, and oh, it doesn't become any, any less, less cringeworthy. Yep. It's incredible. Yep. It is so stupid. And and importantly, oh. he is looking directly at this person yes. the entire time. Yeah. And the next yeah, yeah, day, yeah. he comes back to a press conference <laughs> and he attacks the media for saying... Well, he turned around and said, I was, I was being, being sarcastic. sarcastic. No, no, I was, sir, I was addressing not. it to you, the media. No. Garbage. No, no, you were looking directly Dur- at her. Yeah. Yes. The saying, person next to you at the stage. Yeah, who was yeah. a medical professional. Can you imagine being a medical professional and listening during to a pandemic? Troubling nonsense. Maybe we can get bleach and inject it somehow. What or, in the... Or UV and get oh. it inside the body. Because you can do that, you know. Yeah. Oh, my God. That is just mind-numbingly dumb. And Donald Trump has tweeted and said some moronic things, countless moronic things. That has to be the dumbest thing that he has ever said in his entire life. It's got to be right up there. It's got to be right. He must have been briefed to have had all that in his head, though, and it has gone askew. I cannot think of anything that he said. And I looked. I went back and I did a quick look of sort of the stupidest things that Donald Trump has said. No, this was it. You know, this was dumber than climate change is a hoax made by the Chinese to affect the American economy. The birther movement, everything, that single-handedly is just at that point in time when it was so important to have scientific-backed evidence being given to the general public so they could protect themselves. Or if it didn't exist, not saying yeah. anything. This is what was happening. <sighs> and immediately thereafter, if I'm not mistaken, Gareth, there was a significant rise in the number of calls to uh, emergency yeah. helplines to say, one, how do I inject disinfectant? Mm-hmm. And two, what the hell do I do if somebody has already done that? Yes. Yeah. Ruh-ro. Yeah. That's the power of somebody in a position of power. Every little thing he says has a massive influence from the top down. Absolutely. Anyway, this is my stupidest political news article for 2020. Hmm. Drum roll. The entire QAnon conspiracy theory. (laughs) That's pretty good. That's pretty good. (laughs) The theory that believes that there is a cabal of left-wing Satan worshippers who traffic children and also sacrifice them and drink their blood, and that Donald Trump is the only person who is able to win this battle against good and evil. The Q in the QAnon comes from an anonymous person who is inside the government with Q-level clearance who is feeding us mere mortals on the outside information about the war that is already raging behind the scenes through cryptic messages on websites like 4chan and 8chun. We dedicated a whole episode uh, to the conspiracy theory just before the election. Now, I have to be very clear here. I'm not saying that people who follow QAnon are stupid because people follow QAnon for a multitude of reasons. As we talked about on that podcast, the guy who shot up the pizzeria during the genuinely pizza believed genuinely stuff. believed it and had good intentions. He just got caught up in that moment. He believed he was saving children. And he later on said, no, nah, actually, you know what? That was really stupid of me of doing that. that was, I don't understand why I got involved in that to begin with. So, But I'm saying that the actual conspiracy theory itself, the QAnon conspiracy theory, is possibly the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. Donald Trump is the person waging war against left-wing Satanists? No. He's the person put here by God to win the battle against good and evil? No. No. This is even beyond the wackiness of some of those far-out conspiracy theories like... 
Shape-shifting lizards. Exactly what I was about to say. I just got <laughs> caught on the word. I was trying to find a word. But yeah, shape-shifting lizards who can only be defeated by the frequency of love. If you listen to David Icke, that's what's going to defeat shape-shifting aliens from another dimension who have taken form as many of the world's leaders. We have to beat them with the frequency of love. This goes beyond the craziness of that because it encapsulates all these global conspiracy theories, the Jews, the Illuminati, the political elite, everything like that, and distills it down into this just boiling pot of crazy. QAnon, hands down to me, the stupidest political news article of 2020. You cannot get stupider than that. That's one of my year in review items. Yeah. Are we'll get to more. Absolutely. Yeah. There it is. Our stupidest That's news a lot article. of stupid. That's a lot of stupid. Yeah. yeah absolutely. All right. Now, before we get into the stupidest, because I've only got one stupidest overall news article for our whole five years. It's a doozy, though. But before we jump into that, would you like to hear some more statistics? Yeah. I love statistics. <laughs> top five cities. Am I guessing? Or are you going to tell us? Give me the top two. Top two. Melbourne. Yes. And San Francisco. No. Damn. Melbourne one. Yeah. Sydney two. Yeah. San Francisco third. Oh. Brisbane fourth. San Jose fifth. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. There you go. LA. Our audience breakdown. 68% male. 30% female. 1% not specified. 1% non-binary. Interesting. There you go. It's about 70% male. It's probably not entirely unusual for a politics podcast. No, and I don't think probably podcasts in general. general. I think it generally leans towards more of a male audience. Except if you're talking about true crime, in which case it's massively women. That is very true. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Very, very true. All right, there's some more statistics to come, but that'll be, that'll be later on in the episode. Save them. Yep. All right, now, I hogged most of that, so... Well, it's my turn to hog the microphone. Go for it, because I've only got one. You can count down your top okay. three or whatever it is, and then I'll do my one. What I have are broader headings. As I started writing down things that I'd like to mention or contenders and whatever else, things that I'd forgotten about, things that I thought were still hysterically funny... Um, <laughs> I found that there were sort of there were groupings. I could put them in little groups. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through. I have six different little groups. Some are larger than others, but they were sort of broad, overarching headings that I think they just sort of help me categorise things. So I'll just start at the top. These are in no particular order. Okay. The Pauline Hanson One Nation Party. And no, that's not the entire. Stupid. <laughs> it's close. Like Rudy Giuliani. Do you remember when Malcolm Roberts? One of your favourite wackadoodles. Of course. Do you remember when he confused Labor Day, the holiday, of course for I do. a day celebrating the Labor Party? Why would you think I would forget something Fantastic. like that? Fantastic. <laughs> it was just brilliant. Uh, and I'm not sure quite how he dismounted that, having posted that particular perspective on the internet mm-hmm. for all to see for all eternity. Yes. There it is. Yes. Pauline Hanson herself, and I'm, I've got a quote for you here, Gareth. Okay. I love, love a quote. The hard fact is at the end of the day, someone's got to pay the price for gay marriage. People have to understand what happened in the past to discover this land, the diggers that fought for us. Is that the most incoherent, chimbering nonsense that you've ever heard? I mean, that, that, yeah, that quite literally yeah. makes no sense at all. Can you read that for me again, please? Yeah. The hard fact is at the end of the day, that, and that's for me, that's the real, that's the yeah, signal. Yeah, yeah, There's yeah. going to be a great Red argument light. at the end There's of the a day. Flare going up, yeah. The hard fact is, at the end of the day, someone's got to pay the price for gay marriage. People have to understand what happened in the past to discover this land. The diggers that fought for us. So, something about <laughs> gay marriage. Yeah. White people apparently discovering the Australian continent. But, is, hang on. She's saying that the diggers who fought for our country 
would be repulsed by the fact that there's now gay marriage because they fought for our freedoms and choices, which would include the choice to get married if you're a same-sex couple. I don't know. I don't know if she's suggesting that the Does diggers she- the diggers found the Australian continent because it sort of doesn't work that way. You have to found the nation in order for there to be an armed force to be referred to as yes. the diggers. So that doesn't really work chronologically. And I don't know what any of it has anything to do with gay marriage. And, and what what price is there for gay marriage? Uh, uh, the that, destruction that, of society that the diggers fought for. You know what but this even is? though there has been no destruction of society because gay marriage doesn't do that to society. No, it just, no, I think it just allows it gay people to It's taken to me marry. years. I figured it out. Oh, okay, you know okay. what it is? Yeah. This is one of, those, one of those things where politicians don't know the price of milk. You know, it becomes a scandal because they're so removed from the reality of yes. living day to day. They don't know that milk in Australia is a dollar fifty a litre or something. And so in this instance, what she's saying is people out there don't understand the price of gay marriage and it's a dollar fifty a litre. <laughs> That's what it is. Oh, oh, okay. So, that seems go. to be the most reasonable explanation of that. Good. Fraser Anning? Oh, mm. yes. The gift that keeps on giving. He is. God knows where he is now. I've no idea. I remember he flew the coop. Because he, he was in bankrupt. Yeah, he was bankrupt. He owed yeah. Bendigo Bank 200 grand or something. Mm-hmm. The thing that I wanted to bring up was that when he won election to the Australian Senate, mm-hmm. hallowed turf that it is, Chamber of Review, the upper of the two houses of a bicameral parliamentary system, he won 19 first preference votes. Yeah. 19. One to nine. And skated mm-hmm. in on the preferences provided to him by the One Nation Party yep. and yep. all of the other scaly criminal types who gave their preferences to the One Nation Party. And he didn't even make it into the chamber the first time before he that's abandoned right, he the One Nation yeah, Party. that's right. Mm-hmm. Great memories. <laughs> okay, so my next bucket... Is the Liberal Party, oh, the Australian in Liberal Party? I'm going to start with Erica Betts, and you, and you probably should. And he's given us a lot of lot of material over the years. The, the one that I wanted to bring up because you know slippery slope arguments are fantastic. He, he claimed that marriage equality would lead to people wanting to marry the Sydney Harbour Bridge. Do you remember that? Mm. 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 Yes. They are definitely going to legalise marriage with inanimate objects. Mm. I'm looking forward to marrying my exercise bike that's sitting right behind you. Well, I've been eyeing off your bookshelf this whole time. (laughs) Oh, it's a sexy white thing. Uh, I've I've moved from, you know, desks, couches, (laughs) now I'm down to bookshelves. It is a slippery slope, Gareth. Eric is right. Peter Dutton, also a man who has contributed more than his fair share to stupid political news. And I think while he has contributed a huge number of mm, just astonishingly stupid things. The thing that tickles me the most and has continued to tickle me ever since is when he launched a challenge against the standing Prime Minister and leader of his party, Malcolm Turnbull, (laughs) having apparently failed to count how many supporters he actually had, uh, subsequently losing that challenge to Scott Morrison, Mm -hmm. who is still the Prime Minister. There were reports after that, Gareth, that he had a, a fancy dinner booked with his family following that vote, obviously expecting that he, he was going to have a victory yeah. dinner. And apparently they went ahead with that dinner. Oh, that would have been a solemn affair. Tony Abbott, another man mm. who has contributed <laughs> far more uh, than his fair share to our stupid God. news segment. I love um, tones. The thing that I'd like to, to give him a little shout out for, very brief, when he ate his third onion shortly before that gentleman headbutted him in public. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> what possessed him to eat the first onion? I don't know. These aren't cooked onions. These are these are raw onions for mm-hmm. anyone who didn't follow along. Third time yeah. he did that. And you mentioned this gentleman earlier, Gareth. Tim Smith, 
Victorian Liberal MP some two and a half months ago, approximately. He claimed that, uh, another quote for you, the five-case-rolling 14-day average is a ridiculous and unreachable target. I report this to you, Gareth, on the 50th consecutive day of zero cases of community transmission in Victoria. (laughs) Nothing like a premonition about things like this to make you look like an idiot, as we well know. Wrong, as it turns out, Mr. Tim. Completely wrong. Lastly, on the Liberal Party front, Gareth, Scott Morrison, our Prime Minister, brought a lump of coal into Parliament to mock those championing for policy change in light of climate change. Thank you, Mr Speaker. This is coal. Don't be afraid. Don't be scared. The Treasurer knows the rule on crops. It's coal. It was dug up by men and women who work and live in the electorates of those who sit opposite. From the Hunter Valley, as the member for Hunter would know. It's coal that has ensured for over 100 years that Australia has enjoyed an energy competitive advantage that has delivered prosperity to Australian businesses and has ensured that Australian industry has been able to remain competitive on a global market. Mr Speaker, those opposite have an ideological, pathological fear of coal. Not long after that, Matt Canavan who is technically a member of the National Party, made it very clear that he couldn't distinguish between carbon emissions and carbon credits. That's right. Yes. Mm. yes, yes These yes. are the people driving Australian policy yeah, discussion. about that part. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. So we're, we're, we're through my first two groups, and they're the biggest two. Okay. They're my biggest two. So I have another group, the United States. So there's, there's, there's a bit in here. That's okay. Do you remember discussing Roy Moore? At the beginning, you know I end do. of 2017, yes, start of 2018. I, I remember Roy Moore very well. Well, there's, there's some happy context that the past couple of years, in fact, the last few months have provided that story. Now, the story overall is disgusting that he was pursuing underage girls for sexual relationships. One of um, them was 14 when he was 32, I believe and, it was. And, and yeah. the cornerstone of his defense was that if he had done that, he would have asked their mothers first, <laughs> which is just disgusting. Um, but he lost his race for a Senate seat. He did. To Democrat Doug Jones. Even after Trump backed him. Yeah, yeah. Trump backed away. Then Trump endorsed. The Republican Party stopped funding his campaign. And then they started funding his campaign again. Uh, this is the moral backbone that they possess, apparently. After he lost Gareth, he released a video where he said, it's not over. And he published it on his you know, social media pages and so on. Mm-hmm. And even months after the election, in the new year, he continued to contact his supporters seeking donations. Sounds familiar. It does sound, does it not sound familiar? Very familiar. Even after the election results were certified... This is sounding very, very familiar. See what I mean about yeah. context? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not an original thought, as it turns out. <laughs> yeah, hmm. yeah. Very curious. I have a special segment just for one person, Alan Jones. Um, of course. <laughs> and he has, like so many of the people on this list, just kept giving to us in our stupid political news segment over the years. Just he was magnificent Consistent this contributor. Fabulous. I was reading earlier this week that he's had in the past a footman, a butler, and he had a very long-serving butler uh, who was a paragon of being tight-lipped. No reporter's ever got any juicy gossip out of this gentleman, and he served for some 18 years before before leaving Jones's service a couple of years ago before a rather handsome and dashing, tall, 
23-year-old gent took up the position. Um, I won't speculate any more than that. But in March this year, Jones... Oh, that's right. Jones is not out, is he? It's always no, been speculated correct. that he's gay. That's right. Correct. Because I, I made the mistake when we first talked. I always thought he was out, but he's no, not. He's no, not. he's not. No. Yeah. Um, in March this year, Jones, true to form, elected to downplay the risks of COVID-19 by discussing the virus in the context of the statistics that existed, which is to say that case numbers were enorm- were on the rise, but the death rate was but for naught. Mm. Of course, the death rate lags the cases, which everybody understood then and understood understands now, yep. but that didn't stop him. Would you like to take a guess, Gareth, when he was holding forth on this topic and telling everybody that the coronavirus was the health equivalent of climate change, that this was completely overblown, that this was ridiculous, that this was a massive overreaction. Would you like to know where he was recording from? At his home, in his basement. Yeah, at his home. his blanket. You're there. You're there. You're <laughs> on the right track. A country estate, a very long way away from the regular population. Of course he was. Isolating. Because, of course, yeah. there was a deadly virus out there, and heaven forbid he should be exposed to it as a person mm-hmm. in an age bracket which would be vulnerable. Which is funny, because that's actually the exact same age bracket as most of his listenership. That he was telling that the virus was not a thing. Not yeah. anywhere near as deadly as they were making up. Uh-huh. Of course he was doing that. Mm. Yeah. Mm. The next is the ALP, Gareth, because <laughs> we, nearly, we kick Good. everybody here. I'd like to kick them because in 2019, I don't know if you remember, they ran a terminally unpopular leader to an unlosable election and proceeded to lose that election. Who was that? Who was that guy again? What was his name? Bill. Bill, Bill Shorten. No, 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 no. Bill something. No, Shorten. It was Bill yeah. Shorten? No, yeah. you're wrong. No, it was Bill Shorten. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Bill yeah. Shorten. Bill yeah. Sh- no, I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> Therein lies part <laughs> yeah, of the problem. Exactly right. <laughs> uh, his popularity was impervious. Nothing that they could do changed that fact. Mm-hmm. And they persisted. Mm-hmm. And then they ran a complex campaign against Scott Morrison, Captain Marketing, who just made it a popularity context. And then they lost the unlosable election. Yeah, because the LMP didn't put out any real policies whatsoever. No, they just marketed Tax themselves. Cuts, that was it. Yeah. And it was set against the background of that Peter Dutton challenge and that the LMP had now gone through umpteen leaders in as many years, mm-hmm. were eating their young, so to speak, were all over the place, and they still managed to cock it up. So that's a little kick for the ALP. And the last one, Gareth, a little around the world bent. Oh, excellent. Because I haven't. Yeah, really, a bit of US, a bit of Australia. Brexit. Of course. Mm. My notes here just say, enough said. Uh, <laughs> yes. But I would also like to bring up a Boris Johnson special. And it's not, I was tempted, I was tempted to bring up when Boris described his arts and crafts and the using of old wine boxes to paint <laughs> to make buses, <laughs> which was the most ridiculous thing that I'd ever seen. What do you do to relax? What do you do to switch off? Uh, I, I, well, I like to paint. Um, oh, I make things. I like to... What do you make? I make... I have a thing where I make models of... I mean, when I was in like, well, Mayor of London, we build a beautiful... I make buses... You make models of buses. I make models of buses. So they're going to be in the industry. So, so what I do? No, what I do make models of buses. But what I, I make is 
I get, I get old, um, I don't know, wooden crates. Yeah. Right. And then I paint them and they, uh, and they have two, two, suppose it's a white, it's a box that's been used to contain two, two wine bottles. Right. Right. And it will have a, 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 a dividing thing. Yeah. And I turn it into a bus and I, so I put, I put passengers you really want to know this? You're making, you the, you're making I'm, buses. I'm, yeah, you're I making paint, cardboard I, buses. Paint, no, okay, paint, that's what you do to enjoy yourself. I paint, no, I paint no. the passengers enjoying themselves okay, great. on the wonderful bus. Great. Uh, and then I was secondarily inclined to bring up the case where he was at some sort of industrial facility taking a tour and the media showed up and he got inside an industrial freezer and closed the door to escape the media. I'm not, not that one either. The one that I'm going for is the herd immunity response to COVID-19 at the start of this year. The Boris Johnson government elected to approach COVID-19 with a herd immunity response, which is to say they just let it run rampant, really, uh, in the belief that eventually enough people would catch it, enough healthy people would have had it, that there would be a herd immunity effect, and that would be it, job done. Which was odd because it was basically just them that thought that that was a good idea, not Mm. even Sweden went down that path and took them weeks and months to figure out that that was a terrible idea. Complete disaster, frankly. And again, the context at the moment in the UK is not a good context. Leading into Brexit, the prospect of disrupting supply lines for all sorts of critical resources, set against lockdowns at Christmas time, in the middle of winter, only just rolling out a vaccine, case numbers bouncing again... Cats smashing things in the kitchen. What in the world was that? Give we'll me, be back. We'll be back. One second. Don't worry, everybody. It was just a cushion. It didn't sound like a cushion, but I'm assured it was just a cushion. Yeah, and the cat is fine. Tony is fine. So we've just rounded out my last of my groups for stupid news and i think given that i've just spoken for heaven knows how long perhaps you should do your stupidest news in poc history and i'll hope that i haven't ruined it with any of my no you haven't excellent no, i did think that they were different. all sort of slightly b-grade bits of news very funny so you haven't got to your number one yet though no i have not okay the good thing about mine is that everything you've read out there mine is completely different For me, this stood out whilst I was talking about it at the start of last year and sort of towards the middle of last year as this is just mind-numbingly ridiculous. Now, you said that you thought I could figure it out. I reckon you could. I don't think I've got it. Okay. So, this is a story that has it all. Hubris and narcissism, an insane amount of lying, lawyers who are clearly able to spin some immense bullshit, the position of privilege that fame... And money can get you. Ah, uh, got it. Yeah. One of the most I poorly this today. executed and planned fake anything I've ever come across. And of course, a motive that is so utterly fucking stupid that only a brain dead idiot like Jussie Smollett could think was a good idea. Of course, Jussie Smollett, the uh, man who faked his own hate attack. At the start of 2019 in Chicago early in the morning on his way to get a Subway sandwich. There is nothing that we have reported on in the last five years to me that screams the stupidest political news item of all time. Jussie Smollett. For those who don't know what I'm talking about or have forgotten, (laughs) here is the story. 
At around 2 a.m. on January 29th, 2019, in freezing cold Chicago, Jussie Smollett, one of the lead actors of the very popular TV show Empire, decided to go for a walk and buy himself a Subway sandwich. This is about four hours after he flew into, uh, into, uh, into Chicago. But Jussie did not make it to the local Subway, Ollie. Jussie was pounced upon, and he became the victim of a vicious hate crime. His attackers beat him up, abused him with racist and homophobic slurs because Jussie is gay, tied a noose around his neck and poured bleach on him. They also reportedly shouted, This is MAGA country! Smollett said he was targeted for a hate crime because he was black and gay and Donald Trump made them do it. Wow. The news of his attack went around the world. Activist groups and politicians all voiced their support for Jussie and condemned the attacks as an example of the hateful landscape Donald Trump was creating. To his credit, Trump did actually respond to the incident saying, it doesn't get worse as far as I'm concerned. Almost more remarkable than the story itself. (laughs) Four days later, Smollett, who is also a singer, played a sold-out concert in West Hollywood saying that he had to perform because he couldn't let the attackers win. He also called himself the Gay Tupac. Both my doctors in LA and Chicago cleared me to perform, but said to take care, obviously. And above all, I fought the back. Overextended just a little bit there. Because before the downfall comes the hubris. He's also riffing on a Bob Marley story. Bob Marley got shot by people who hated him, racists, and he went up and performed. And they said to Bob Marley, why are you performing? He goes, because you cannot let hate win. Doesn't matter how much pain I'm in, you cannot let hate win. That's what he's riffing on there. There was only one problem, Ollie. <laughs> Well, Only were, one. There were many, one many problems. One. Yes, With many sub problems. <laughs> Jussie had completely faked his own hate crime. He set up the whole thing. Firstly, it was found out that the two men who attacked him were not, in fact, white people, but they were two Nigerian brothers. Not white Nigerians. No, no. So two Nigerian Trump supporters. Not impossible, sure, but we're starting to stretch a little bit. The initial police report does not state that the attackers told him that it was MAGA country. That was a bit of information he added in a follow-up interview. The police tracked down the brothers, and it quickly came out that Smollett had paid the brothers $3,500 to beat him up. They know this because Smollett paid them with a personal check. (laughs) Not cash, but a personal goddamn check. He also gave the brothers $100 to buy the rope, ski masks, and red caps that resemble MAGA hats. The attack only lasted about 45 seconds, with the brothers stating that they punched him a little bit. The extra scratches and bruises on Smollett's face were self-inflicted. There are phone records that show contact between Smollett and his attackers before and after the incident. The Chicago Police Department also claimed that they have footage of Smollett and his two attackers in Smollett's car two days before the incident in what appears to be them planning the attack. Police believe that it was Smollett who sent himself an abusive letter to the set of Empire a week before the attack. The letter had Marga written on it, and the letter read, You will die, black fag. He and Empire producer Dennis Hammer reported it to police. Why did Jesse Smollett do all this, Ollie? Why did he fake his own hate crime? Why did he become the centre of an international story and become, very briefly, the face of all that is wrong with Trump's racist USA? Because he's concerned with social justice. No, he wanted to pay rise. Mm. That's it. Mm. That's it. He believed his increased profile and the sympathy from the attack would put him in a position where he could leverage more money out of the studio overseeing Empire. <sighs> that is... Oh, I can, the I narcissism. Can, I can see why that made number one. Oh, my God. What happened in the end was that Jussie did not get his pay rise. 
you may be surprised to hear that, but was in fact very quickly fired from Empire and written off the show. And a quick look at his IMDb uh, page shows that he has not worked since. So slightly backfired there. You see, what we've done here is failed to recognise risk <laughs> management. <laughs> Correct. I've harped on this. And I've harped on this. Well, he should have yes. been listening to politics over coffee. He should have been. Relative risk he wasn't. versus relative reward. On February 20, 2019, Smollett was charged with filing a false police report. He posted bail and continued to claim his innocence. Now, here's the stupid thing about all this. <gasps> wow. There's another stupid, stupid, thing. More stupid thing about this. One, at that point in time, and it continues to today, hate crimes were on the rise and still are on the rise in the United States. Black men and gay men are still two groups that are widely targeted. This will only make legitimate attacks harder to report and harder to be believed. Smiley has done some major damage here. Secondly, it shows how quickly people are to jump to a conclusion that confirms their bias before the full story emerges. People on the left condemn this as being another example of Trump's America. When the story started to emerge that Smiley may have faked the attack, those on the right said that this is another example of the liberal media lie machine and fake news. Neither side had enough information to make those comments when they did. Thirdly, there is an actual case to be made that Trump's rhetoric whilst president created a space for those looking for a reason to commit violence. Case in point, around the same time, Christopher Hassan, a U.S. Coast Guard lieutenant and white nationalist, uh, was arrested and accused of planning a massive attack on Democrat politicians, CNN anchors and MSNBC hosts, all critics of Donald Trump. Justice Molay not only destroyed his own career, but put back the conversation about hate crimes and made it harder for legitimate crimes to be talked about openly and honestly. You are an utter dipshit. A few months later... Jussie made headlines again when all charges against him, out of nowhere, were dropped. In a statement, his lawyer said he was a victim who was vilified and made to appear as a perpetrator, and that his record has been wiped clean. Wrong. Wrong. The office of Cook County State's Attorney Kimberly Fox said in a statement, after reviewing all the facts and circumstances of the case, including Mr. Smollett's volunteer service in the community and agreement to forfeit his bond to the uh, city of Chicago, we believe this outcome is a just disposition and appropriate resolution to the case. So basically what happened was that Smollett paid a high-priced lawyer to make a deal for him. They were able to convince authorities that his volunteer service and forfeiting the bond was enough punishment and that all charges should be dropped. Then the bullshit spin begun. The money Smollett paid the brothers was actually for personal training, Ollie. Hmm. Uh, which explains why they were in the car a few days before the attack in the area of the attack and why Smollett paid them an extra $100 to buy equipment that was used in the attack and why there was a flurry of tweets between Smollett and the fake attackers before and after the incident. The city of Chicago sued Smollett for $130,000 that demanded of him to cover the manpower used to investigate the bogus assault. Smollett lodged a countersuit, and then the brothers themselves sued. Not Smollett, but Smollett's lawyer for saying that the brothers were behind the attack, even though when all charges were dropped, Smollett's lawyer said that Jussie was attacked by people he ultimately couldn't identify. Smollett continues to claim his innocence. Now, a little update, Ollie. Jump forward in time, and this fucking garbage story is still going. <laughs> no. In August of 2019, a special prosecutor was assigned to investigate how local prosecutors handled the case and whether or not Smollett should be prosecuted further. Basically, they were investigating whether or not they should have dropped all the charges. After 50 subpoenas, 50 interviews, 26,000 documents, and a huge amount of text messages and audio recordings, and a court ordering Google to give all of Jesse Smollett's emails to the investigators, Smollett was charged with six counts of disorderly conduct for lying to the police when he gave four separate false reports. 
Later that month, Jussie pleaded not guilty to all counts in court. In June, a judge threw out Jussie's attempt to have the charges dismissed. Jussie claimed that the new charges are so similar to the old charges that it constituted double jeopardy. The uh, judge said basically, get out of here with that shit. Smollett's lawyer argued that because he had forfeited his $10,000 bond and had performed 16 hours, 16 hours of community service, that he had already been punished. Nope, don't think so. So, Jussie is still waiting for his next day in court. In a recent interview, his uh, first since the fake attack, he said that uh, the last two years have been beyond frustrating and that he is being made an example of and that being quiet is very difficult for someone that speaks up so much. You, Jussie Smollett, are a self-centered, egotistical asshole who will always be remembered as one of the stupidest people who has ever walked the face of the planet. And considering you are alive at the same time as Donald Trump Jr., that is a hell of an achievement. And that is my stupidest, stupidest news, news of our entire five series. I tried to find something stupider and I couldn't. I just it's couldn't tough. do it. It is tough. Just that everything about that is just mind-numbingly dumb. I don't know what to say. I mean, no, there's it, nothing more you can say. That's, the fact no, that it's, it's still going. It's, it's still so greedy going. and stupid. I don't know if he was acting <laughs> in reliance on his lawyer's advice when oh. they made a statement after he got off. That screwed him again. Like if you just came out of the courthouse and said, wait for it, nothing. Yeah, no comment. As I keep saying on the podcast, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> don't talk. Just don't talk. Oh. How much better would you be if you just didn't talk? Stop. Don't. Oh, you did. Yeah. <laughs> all right. That's it. That's that's me. That's, that's all my good. stupid done for the, the podcast. Forever. So forever. Oh, a solemn moment. All right, my friend. It's not over yet, though. It isn't over yet. What have you got? Well, I've, because I spent so much time on the little ones, mm-hmm. on these little juicy little morsels from over the Deep. the last, the big, the final, isn't particularly long. It's okay. I think that the single most stupid thing that happened in politics over coffee history was the election of Donald Trump. <laughs> I think from... His I'm a very stable genius tweets all the way through to injecting UV light into human bodies and imbibing bleach that this man has led the United States for the past four years is the most stupid thing that happened in the course of the five years of us recording this podcast for weight of effect. Yes. For being as far from what would otherwise have been acceptable as possible. This is the stupid measure, so to speak. And for the fact that it almost bookended the entire podcast. It happened (laughs) in the first year and it ended in the last year. President Donald Trump, you are the stupidest thing to have happened in the course of politics over coffee as far as I'm concerned. Congratulations. I'm not sending you anything in the mail. If you end up in a federal penitentiary, I'll send you something. That's it. That's that's, my, that's, I can't argue I, with that either. It, yeah. There are so many instances. Mm-hmm. I like how that our stupidest political news of all time, mine fell what would be considered on the left side of politics and yours fell on the right side of politics. A black man and a white man. You Both, had a bit of Hollywood. A bit of Hollywood. I had a bit of Hollywood. Yeah. Immense lying. Immense lying. Whole bunch of bullshit narrative. Whole bunch of bullshit narrative. Mm-hmm. Hubris. Hubris. Ego. Ego. Narcissism. Mm. Narcissism. Mm. Oh, there are common threads yeah. here, Gareth. Stupid yeah. news is a, is a 
<laughs> well, we always use stupid political news. Well, not every it's single an institution. time. It's <laughs> to highlight the hubris, the hypocrisy, the whatever it might be of those in power, those who create our legislation, the the political parties that that control our world, the political positions that dictate how people's lives are, are, are lived. To highlight the idiocy that surrounds a lot of power and people in positions of power. As I've said before, there is so many more positions of authority than people who actually know how to handle that sense of authority, how to handle that position of authority. Or are willing to. Or willing to, exactly right. And the amount of people who are willing to abuse that authority. That was the whole point of Stupid Political News was to highlight that hypocrisy, that double standard, and just have a bit of a laugh at those people who need to be laughed at because those in power have to justify themselves to us. We don't have to justify ourselves to those in power. The social contract. Exactly. And this is, or has been, levity because we discuss Very enormously yes. deep and heart-wrenching and disappointing and saddening and infuriating topics for hours upon hours. We yeah. research them, we talk about them, we investigate them, we sink ourselves up to our eyeballs in these things and sometimes stupid political news is what balances that seriousness out yeah, and I, I think it's served it's, it's, more, it's something that has survived basically the entire length of the podcast well, I mean when we first started we had rants yep. that went by and the wayside that was basically what this became was a more political and a more specific investigation of something that's completely ridiculous or stupid Hence, stupid political news. Yeah, and one of my still one of my favorite rants was you ranting about socks. I knew. Yeah, you I knew. knew. Yeah, we would yeah. get through the yeah, last yeah, episode yeah, yeah, yeah. without you bringing up the socks, <laughs> and that is still a thing in case anyone cares. Before we jump into our roundup for the United States and Australia for 2020, do you want to hear some more statistics? I love statistics. All right, I know you do. These are the top. Five, well, I'm not too sure if they're the top five downloaded episodes of the entire podcast because soundcloud and spotify do different things and they don't sort of talk to each other they don't talk to each other a lot but these are the five episodes that hit really really well so around the world an episode we released on the 25th of the 9th 2018 i didn't go back and listen to that i have no idea what we talked about (laughs) because it was at a time when we weren't actually labeling stuff properly it was around the world was just coming into its own and i don't know do you want to know? Yeah, please. I've got it. You've got the notes. Uh, in this episode, we look at news from Ethiopia, Holland, Russia, Peru, Turkey, Morocco, Syria, India, and Rwanda. We also talk veganism. There you go. That might have been our first trip to Ethiopia. I think so. And we've been there quite a few times. We yeah, have. Absolutely. Maybe it was the veganism. That Either way. A, that was a big episode. That was a very big episode. Popular episode. Also, one episode that hit really well. Series 4, episode 13, Lawyer X. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah. That was a lot of research, and it that was, was big effort. Yeah, it was a big, one. big episode. Series three, episode fourteen, European Jesus, <laughs> from Series the eighteenth of the ninth, two thousand eighteen. I have no ah. idea why I called it European Jesus. <laughs> Neither do I. Would you like to hear the description? <laughs> yeah, please. On Spotify, okay. Yes. Two countries with two governments operating on unstable, chaotic ground. Not sure. No idea. <laughs> in the U.S., an anonymous op-ed in the New York Times has sent the Trump administration into a frenzy. In Australia, Malcolm Turnbull is out, Scott Morrison is in, and Peter Dutton, the man who would be king, has found himself in all kinds of trouble after his failed attempt to take the Prime Minister's position. Yeah, I have no idea why I called that European Jesus. There would have been probably some mention between the way that the actual Jesus looks like, the Middle Eastern Jesus and the European Jesus. I think there's a vague recollection of that. I don't know why that was important enough for me to label the whole whole episode. No idea. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, another one that hit really well, Series 5, Episode 7, COVID USA. So that's when everything was starting to really, really hit Kick home off. when it comes to COVID. That was from the 28th to the 4th, uh, 2020. I'm really happy that this episode uh, hit really well. Series 5, Episode 10, Island Home. I am probably skipping ahead a little bit, but later in the episode I will mention that. Mm. So that was... so. Episode 9 was our um, talk about George George Floyd, Floyd. yeah, and the systemic racism within the United States. And episode 10 was our talk about the systemic racism that Indigenous Australians face historically and currently within uh, our our country, within Australia, and we called it Island Home. I'm so glad that that hit really, really well. Series 3 and Series 4 end of years went really well as well, so... Yeah, but that's that's pretty much our, our top five. Let's say that's our top roughly. five, roughly. But I'm really glad that we've got two in Series 5, and that's a nice spread across you know our, our years, but I'm really happy that Island Home has hit well. So Me too. Yeah. All right, so that draws to a close our stupid political news items for 2020 and for the forever. life of the podcast forever. I think we've indulged now. Uh, the, the raw <laughs> recording is currently sitting at an hour 20, so... <laughs> I mean, that'll obviously be less when I edit it down, but and still. A Gareth and Oliver special. <laughs> Let's talk about our year in review, 2020. Let's start with Australia. We started with the fires. Mm. The fires that were raging for 2019. We're still going in 2020. That was even before COVID. That's even before COVID was even on anybody's radar. Yeah, this was an emergency that showed up yeah. overseas. There were reports of smoke-clouded cities reaching the US. I had friends contact me from the US, That's from right. Europe. Yes, uh, it was everywhere. It was confronting. Yeah, very uh, and, much so. And, and there were pictures that looked a lot like the fire season from California from 2019. Yep. Yeah, very much so. I remember the shop having to close a couple of times because of smoke. Just the, 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 the air dense. quality. Yeah, the air quality. Yeah. And business was just slumping because nobody was going out. Because you just looked outside the, the back entrance, you looked down the street, and it was just this haze. It looked like, literally like there was a local fire, like a house was on fire, and it was just blanketing everything. No, this is from like the hundreds of kilometers city. away. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's still people who are without homes. Um, they're still waiting for financial relief. Yeah, and we're heading back into our... I mean, it's December 20. We're in fire season again. Now. um, And they're expecting a really hot January, February, March. So, I don't know. I just don't know. If nothing else, a lot of the fuel was burnt in the last season, which will provide a pretty big inhibitor to extremely large-scale fires, we think. But there's still a lot out there. In the same region. But there's nothing to say that it won't. Yeah. Yeah. But, of course, I mean... This goes without saying, doesn't it? I mean, the biggest story of this year, regardless of where we're going on the planet, is COVID-19. COVID. Yep. You cannot avoid that. No. Um, Australia had a quite a unique experience in the sense that we're at least in a position, a financial position, where we could provide some people with financial relief whilst they were stood down. JobKeeper. JobKeeper was an amazing thing. JobKeeper kept me afloat, $1,500 a fortnight. Sure, it was well below my average fortnightly take-home, but it still allowed me to pay live. Pay the bills. It paid the bills. Yep. It paid the bills and a little bit more job seeker was increased so for the first time that a lot of people on job seeker who were living on something like forty dollars a day could actually pay the rent properly buy food have a little bit left Spend over electricity yeah. we should say that that is the unemployment benefit yes in absolutely yeah. but we cannot avoid covid i mean everything from the ruby princess fiasco at that point where new south wales was the epicenter for covid in australia then it switched to victoria uh, victoria yeah, was really feeling a little way. bit smug when they were having some very low covid numbers and all of a sudden the failure of the hotel quarantine which in Victoria, which resulted in, you know, the um, investigation into that resulted in a couple of 
uh, MPs stepping down. But that led to a whole bunch of people dying because of that. And it was the second outbreak which locked us down for quite a considerable amount of time. That was when we started. It was it was COVID that caused us to be recording via Skype, which is why Series yeah. 5 sounds different to all of yeah, our Yeah, absolutely. Series. Yeah, and I think we did the best we could. Skype is doesn't matter if you're on Wi-Fi or uh, hotspotting it. There's only a certain amount of control I can have over the quality of the audio. I mean, right now I'm, we are sitting with some nice quality microphones going straight into a mixer, which is going into the laptop. This episode will sound better than most of the episodes before March. So, or after well, March, since, I should say. Since, after since March, March, since yeah. March. That's just the nature of, of what was going on. And we probably could have stepped back into the studio beforehand, but I was moving house. I was settling in. We'd gotten to a nice rhythm with Skype. And that's the other thing that, that's big about the world now in Australia now. That shift from in office to working from home. Working from home, from sitting in an office to Zoom meetings. COVID-19 has changed the very fabric of so many businesses. It really has. It's changed the fabric of how we shop. And certainly the experience that Gareth and I had in Victoria was probably the most extreme in Australia and one of the most extreme lockdowns in the world. And so I think in a a slightly odd way, we're uniquely positioned to comment on some of the more extreme experience of COVID and and we were locked down in in quite a severe way for Mm. months Mm -hmm. where you were not allowed to see other people. If you took a step outside your house, you had to be wearing a mask at all times uh, unless you were running. You weren't even allowed to step out of your house after 8 o'clock and before 5 5 a.m. Overnight curfews, there were... Uh, there was a lockdown of some public housing in the north of the city, some big towers that were locked down as part of the response to the second wave. Which a recent reporter said was a, a, a violation of human, of human rights. rights. It was. Yeah. And yeah. it was partly because of the way that it was implemented. It was mm. announced at a press conference and it was effective immediately. And it was specific to people living in those towers. It didn't apply to people Mm. living in houses nearby or Mm. other residential apartment blocks, whatever else. It was specifically those towers. And there were reasons why those towers were considered higher risk. A lot of immigrants, a lot of people for whom English is not a first language. And we saw time and time again that Australians are and particularly Australian governments and, and, and regulatory bodies are not good at communicating in languages other than English. Now we're translating with Google Translate. Google Translate, yeah. correct. Yeah. And this sort of permeates a lot of Australian policy making is this monolinguistic approach to so much and a failure on top of that to appreciate other cultures and other experiences and other languages oh. and the and the distinctions that are made between certain things and how to build rapport with people who've come from places where you don't trust things that the government says yeah, to you. Absolutely. That monoculture is just a hangover and continuation of white Australia policy. That's what it is, you know, and this is the assumption and the expectation that everybody assimilates regardless of whether or not you have the capability to actually assimilate. Not everybody has the ability to learn English, even though they're fleeing to Australia because of political persecution, because of hunger, because of climate change, whatever it might be. Not everybody has that ability. And ever since the gold rush when Australians were ostracizing the Chinese community and then saying, well, look, they're not assimilating, we're still doing the same thing. And there's still a sort of arrogant assumption that we know best because we happen to be reasonably wealthy. Well, no, you're confusing relative wealth Mm -hmm. with relative self-awareness and intellect and education and so on. And they're not the same thing. No, There there is the opportunity for them to to be moving in lockstep. But they are absolutely not the same thing. Mm. One other thing 
Well, that's pretty much it. I was, I was thinking to myself, it's just COVID. Like, one yeah, other, I'm glad you brought up the, one other thing. Well, the one other thing is COVID-related. So, there was a, a group, uh, a method established in Australia for the federal government, for state governments, and for local governments mm-hmm. to get together and have a conference, which is called COAG. And... That was basically dumped pretty unceremoniously very early on in the COVID-19 outbreak Mm. and replaced with the National Cabinet. The National Cabinet was another instance of going hard and going early. It wasn't necessarily itself a response. It wasn't necessarily itself a policy. It was a way for premiers and chief ministers to come together with the Prime Minister and his, Mm. his staff to respond to COVID-19. And it, requ- it, was a, it was an emergency that required an extremely quick response, a coordinated response, a certain level of agreement between the states for interstate travel, border closures and so on, lockdown measures. And it worked. For the most part, it seems to have worked very well. But it completely excludes local councils. And that was something uh, that was a, that was a body of government, a level of government that was very much included in the COAG process. And what we understand now is that national cabinet will include local councils going forward. However, it will be once a year. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably a relative demotion for local government. That's not to say that different local governments contribute more or less. They do. I think rural or regional local governments contribute a great deal more to their jurisdictions than do metropolitan councils. That won't be news to anyone who's listened to the no. podcast. But from long. a metro- metropolitan point of view, you can definitely see the, the case of too many cooks in the kitchen. They're definitely needed in a regional setting, but you get too many voices in there. All of a sudden, not everybody can be heard and you won't get to a decision as quickly as possible. No, and the local level government was not contributing enormously to the COVID response. This was largely a state-based response. The federal government took a back seat, which is quite unusual, Uh, even more unusual when you consider the way that the Constitution is set up, which is to say that states can forfeit their rights to the Commonwealth if they so Mm -hmm. choose and can Mm -hmm. agree, but also where there is something that is not mentioned specifically in the Constitution, it will almost certainly by default move to the Commonwealth's discretion and not the state's. So this was an, this was that was slightly unusual. I wasn't expecting that. I think the National Cabinet response, broadly speaking, was very successful. Came out of yep. nowhere. It was an emergency response to an emergency situation, and for the most part, it worked. Uh, and it's changed possibly the way that the Commonwealth government and the state and territory governments uh, will work with one another in the future, hopefully in a, in a much more responsive way. Mm. The only thing I would add for our roundup of 2020 with that dog yapping in the background, so <laughs> such is life uh, when you're recording uh, next to a family that has a yapping dog. The University of Queensland, their COVID vaccine, scrapped. Scrapped. Yeah, yes. scrapped. So, Did you know that Australia is one of very few countries that has not signed up to an agreement that any COVID vaccines that they develop would not be subject to patent? I did not know that. Mm, In fact, it is on the Doctors Without Borders website, the page when you visit the Australian website. Very first thing, please sign the petition to lobby for Australian vaccines, should any be developed, Mm -hmm. to not be subject to patent so that that they they can be distributed. I did not know that. Mm. I don't know who else isn't a signatory to that. That was just a tidbit. Let us jump to the United States. Let's. A little bit more to talk about rather than just COVID-19, even though COVID-19 is clearly a massive story over there. 300,000 people plus dead now 
But let's not talk about COVID-19 just yet. Obviously, the US election and the historic win of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris was a massive, massive story coming out of the United States. Biden won the Electoral College 306 to 232, which I believe is exactly the same as the Trump-Clinton result. Yes. Just reversed, that's, that's obviously. That's my as well. Which Trump back then said was an absolute landslide. So, we've got to go by the man's word. Well, he Trump said lost it. by a landslide. Popular vote it's wise, not actually a landslide in case anyone's No, 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 it isn't. No, not a technical. No. Popular vote-wise, uh, Biden has so far won 81,283,485, which is the highest amount of votes that any candidate has ever received. And Trump has received 74,223,744 at the time of this recording, which is the most that any president has ever received. That is uh, around about 155 million people voting in the United States. That is a massive, massive turnout. Which means that Joe Biden won the popular vote by 7 million or a margin of 4 point something percent. I mean, what can we say about the US election that we haven't said? I mean, we recovered it nightly at one point. Yeah, I've got that in my notes. Yeah, Uh, we've said everything that we need to say. We've covered before, we've covered during, I mean, we covered extensively during, and then we've covered the Donald Trump tantrum, so... (laughs) What else do you have to say about the, the US election that we haven't covered before? The only thing that I wanted to throw in there was that we're not going to get to cover how the administration is formed. So we're slowly True. getting drip-fed drip yep. information about Joe Biden's nominees for his cabinet positions. Mm-hmm. These will be the people who go about the daily business of enacting federal government policy, in yep. effect. And so we're not going to get to see that play out. We won't see, at least in terms of uh, politics over coffee, we won't see the inauguration. Uh, I'm sure there'll be fabulous celebrity endorsements and performances and so on to follow. But we, I think, it's fair to say, we'll continue to watch this individually, if not as uh, Definitely. the politics over coffee duo. Also, one of the biggest stories of 2020 was really the mainstreaming of conspiracy theories. I don't want to talk about this too much because we've talked about QAnon, Bertha Movement, the Russia-Trump hoax, apparently, the impeachment hoax, the election fraud. We've covered this countless times. But it wouldn't be 2020 without bringing to attention the mainstreaming of those kind of theories, the conspiracy theories, the popularization of Alex Jones. I mean, I listened to a three-hour episode of Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan being a good friend of Alex Jones, and Joe Rogan just spent basically three hours normalizing Alex Jones as crazy. Not really very acceptable. No, not great. Not a responsible response from Joe Rogan. And just mainstream acceptance of conspiracy theories is really troubling because they are so, so many of them are so baseless and at the detriment of actually exposing real conspiracies that are actually happening. It's almost like conspiracy theories are allergic to legitimate conspiracies. They go for this big, grand, connecting thing of the Illuminati and the Jews and a deep state and, and all which these is, kind of things. Which is all recycled garbage. Absolutely. We've, we've, gone up, we've talked about yes. this countless times. But actual stuff in the world is being overlooked because of this focus on stuff that doesn't Nonsense. exist. Nonsense. Yeah. yeah. So the mainstreaming of conspiracy theories in 2020, for me, was a really big talking point. Also, uh, massive news stories for 2020 was the passing of civil rights legend John Lewis, who spent decades fighting for the rights of the African-American uh, community. Also, another champion of democracy and human rights who passed away was Ruth Bader Ginsburg, an absolute giant in the Supreme Court and an, also a pop culture figure, notorious RBG. Ginsburg, of course, was replaced with Supreme Justice Amy Coney Barrett. The main story around there between the selection of uh, Amy Coney Barrett and the confirmation of her to the Supreme Court is the absolute hypocrisy of the GOP. 
When Obama put forward a Supreme Court nominee in uh, Merrick Garland back in 20, what, 16? 16? Yeah, yeah, of March, course, 16. Yeah. yeah, in March, with the election being in November, the GOP, Mitch McConnell, I think it was. Was it Mitch McConnell? Mitch McConnell. It was Mitch McConnell, yes. Mitch McConnell got up and said, no, we cannot have a Supreme Court nominee being selected in a time of an election. The people need to select who the next president is. And then... Then he made a further distinction after the fact. That doesn't apply when the Senate would otherwise agree. Yeah, absolutely. During an election, after Ginsburg said, do not confirm another justice until after the election. So Mitch McConnell went against her wishes. And we have uh, Justice Amy Coney Barrett. The massive news out of all that is that at the end of Trump's presidency, he got to select, what, three Supreme Court judges? Which is three. ridiculous for Which a one-term president. For one-term president. Ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Basically unprecedented. Yeah, very much so. So the only other things that I wanted to raise for the United States in 2020 was that the Black Lives Matter movement really kicked mm-hmm. off again. It was something yeah, that had sure. r- risen to prominence in years prior, but in 2020, following the death of George Floyd, it became a global movement, I think is fair to say. Yep. Uh, it was something that we covered to some extent. We had a whole episode dedicated mm-hmm. to it. And it remains a thing. Now, the popularity of the movement in the United States ebbed and flowed because it became linked with the spread of COVID because, of course, it involved a lot of protests. Now, mm-hmm. there's very, very poor evidence to suggest that these have been super spreader events. But that hasn't stopped the popularity of the movement waning. And there's been plenty of other events that have happened that have turned out to be super spreader events anyway. So, so musical concerts, etc. Yeah. So the only other thing I think we would talk about would be COVID. Well, we have to. Yeah. We just can't avoid it. So I you mean, already it, said 315,000 deaths. I think at the moment we're at a point where the daily deaths have surpassed 3,000 hmm. across multiple days. And the seven-day rolling average I've got is over 2,500 deaths per day. And the context that I've got there is that slightly fewer than 3,000 people died in 9-11. And so we mm-hmm. are now at a point where we're where the United States is almost experiencing a 9-11 every, every day. day as a mm-hmm. result of COVID-19 deaths or deaths arising from complications caused by COVID-19, which got, is heartbreaking. It's got to the point now where... Dr. Anthony Fauci is actually saying, well, look, our only option here is herd immunity. Hopefully, we'll get to herd immunity by the middle of next year. Yeah, exactly. Too far gone. And if we get herd immunity, maybe we can tackle this. And look, the the vaccines will help. There's no question. And they are being rolled out. Mm -hmm. Uh, Moderna's vaccine was approved for emergency use by the FDA this week. So, we'll see that run out as well. Did you see? It's slightly cute news that Dr. Fauci, uh, in a press conference, claimed he'd been to the North Pole to vaccinate Santa. It's adorable. That is adorable. Um (laughs) Anyway, I don't think we should labour the COVID-19 no, story too much, no, but that it was not. it has defined the world this year. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be interesting to see uh, the first 100 days of the Biden administration, what they do in regards to, to COVID. But what they can do, oh, what's left. Yeah. yeah, I know. You're in review around the world. What have you got, my friend? I don't want to alarm anybody. COVID? This is, it, is not going to shock is anyone. Is it COVID? COVID and QAnon. Yeah. <laughs> COVID and QAnon. Okay. COVID. Yeah. Explain yeah. to me COVID, Ollie. Well, What's going on? No, don't. Oh. Don't. No. Yes, absolutely. The the virus that shut down the world. Mm. Yeah. My main story, actually, and this is a story that I've gravitated to ever since we started reporting on it, was Hong Kong. 
the continuing takeover and the erosion of rights over there. And just basically, you know, we called the episode, our last main episode on Hong Kong, Hong Kong's Dying Light, referencing the poem that says, Rage, Rage Against the Dying of the Light, because that's basically what's happening to Hong Kong. It's inevitable that this once bustling democracy is going to be absorbed by the Chinese machine. And it's to the point it will be no longer what it was. And it will be just become another part of China. And to the point where England has opened up its borders to anybody who wants to flee within a particular set of parameters can come and and stay. A special visa. Yeah, special visa and and make uh, England uh, their new home. Uh, That has been a massive thing because it's just watching a whole population and landmass just slowly. Hong Kong really does have its own culture. And it's slowly being dissolved right in front of our eyes. My view of what's going on in Hong Kong has has increasingly become that China is stepping away from trying to become a a liked actor on the world stage. Yes, and that I agree. for various reasons, prime among them Premier Xi Jinping's personal views of what China can and should be has led to this. You would otherwise have seen a much longer process take place in Hong Kong. This has been a sort of lurching approach mm-hmm. with a lot of very large steps taken in unusually quick succession and i think were it not for xi jinping's approach were it not for xi jinping's changing of the chinese constitution in effect to mean that he can stay in power forever removing term limits and so on mm-hmm. this is the signal that i was talking about the other week yeah. that that signal change for how they were going to approach the world yep. hong kong is has been that next step no doubt no doubt The other big news item I had that took my interest immensely was the continuing Mexican drug war and the way that it has actually expanded during COVID-19 and hasn't shrunk. It was both surprising and not surprising how the drug cartels have expanded their influence during a global pandemic that shut down the mainstream world. The black market flourished whilst the mainstream markets were ground to a halt in many regions around the globe. The other story that jumped out at me was, of course, Ethiopia. We've talked about Ethiopia multiple times across the podcast, but at the moment, it's heading towards a civil war. And of course, what happens in a civil war in those kind of regions is that innocent people are always, always the people who are hurt the most. It's not good. Uh, Ethiopia, as we discussed on the podcast at some length this year, is an enormously important power broker in the region. It's an enormously large country from a population perspective and has a historical precedence in that area uh, as a hugely important political force, Mm. an economic force. To see it go from something that was such a bright prospect a couple of years ago to sink into what seems pretty likely will become a civil war is really upsetting. It's a disappointing result. Maybe it was inevitable. Maybe it took longer to come about as a result of actions taken, but it's a big story. One thing that I wanted to call out, and I'll send you a link, there's a New York Times piece on the topic of the drug wars in Mexico mm-hmm. and the sort of organized crime that's rampant there. They did a, a long article covering one Miriam Rodriguez billed as a one-woman detective squad and her daughter was kidnapped and she pursued the people who kidnapped her daughter to the nth degree very brave brave. Uh, and it's an incredible story it's very it's a a very long article in the modern context so only delve into this if you have the time we'll we'll put the the link up on the the website but it was it captured my attention very quickly and it's it's worth a read if you've got the time very human experience of what's going on in mexico excellent that brings our roundup of 2020 to a close. 
let us start talking about the podcast. Let's. How we feel. Actually, before we do that, would you like some more statistics? Oh, yeah, yeah, One yeah, yeah. last little bit okay. of statistics, okay. Okay. okay? okay. So, here's the age breakdown of our listeners. 35% are aged between 28 and 34. 21% 23 to 27. 20% 18 to 22. 12% 35 to 44. 6% 45 to 59. 4% 60 to 100. 2% 0 to uh, 17 and 1% unknown. There we go. How about yeah, that? Yeah, there we go. We're hitting uh, some uh, home runs there with the uh, basically the 23 to the 34s, or even the 18s to the 34s. Very good. That's us. That's all the statistics I have. I like a good statistic. <laughs> I it tells know you a story. Do. It does. It really, really does. <laughs> all right, my friend. Let's uh, enter the last third of this podcast. Let us reflect. Let us reflect. <laughs> this is the part where we can put all our analysis to one side, everything, and we're just talking about the podcast. And us. And us. As the podcast. Wow. Where do we even begin? This has been such a massive part of our lives for five years. Well, my notes. The very first question I've got under this head is, what has it meant to us? Oh, I am a different person because of this podcast. Absolutely. Um, My research skills are so much better. My political position is different. I have such a much more empathetic position to so many more people. I just, yeah. It's funny you should say that. The very first thing that I've written is that the difference it's made to my empathy and compassion. Mm. Uh, and notwithstanding the fact I can now distinguish the two things, um, <laughs> but but my appreciation for where different people come from, how extremely different one human's experience of the world can yeah. be to another person's. Yep. Having grown up in the same country, having grown up in the same suburb, mm-hmm. um, having grown up on the same street, or having grown up on the other side of the world, yep. finding enormous common ground with somebody that you would just never have imagined you would have common ground with. And I think that breadth of experience and understanding, the breadth of events, the breadth of history that exists in the world has mm. been an opportunity to really grow personally. Yeah. There was a few podcast episodes that really stood out for me that we did. The ones that were my favorite were the ones where we told a complete story, where we deep dived uh, into things. I think we we're always at our best when we did that. In series three, episode 12, we did a whole episode on Trump Russia at that particular moment. I love that because it deep dived and it really gave me a real thorough understanding of what was happening at that particular point in time because there was just this fog of misinformation everywhere at that point. It was like a fire hose. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Trying to drink out of a fire hose. Absolutely. I really liked our Lawyer X episode. From this year, I really loved The Color of Your Skin, the George Floyd episode, and Island Home, which was one of our main, uh, most downloaded shows, which was fantastic. On a personal front, Series 4, Episode 7, was when I spoke about my mental health issues when you were in Europe and my sexuality. That was confronting for me because I'd never really... I have no issue talking about those things, but putting it to a global audience, like, it's a very different thing when you when you have literally people listening all over the world and all of a sudden you're like here we go here's my mental health here's who i'm attracted to i still remember where i listened to that episode oh, it really? was outside the bmw museum in munich <laughs> and i i sat outside the museum listening to that oh, episode there we go. a very distinct memory of the street as it was when i sat and listened to that oh. because i wasn't i didn't realize that you were going to release it obviously because i was overseas yeah and i, I thought you might release some stuff while i was away yep I just wanted to keep that momentum going. Mm. So, yeah, I didn't know what I was going to talk about really until I sat down. And about a week before I'd seen 
some statistics on, I think it was an ABC News article uh, about male suicide. And I thought, okay, well, I've gone through that. I've gone through mental health issues. Let's talk about it. And what is directly connected to that, obviously, and that's why the, the, the episode seven is called Masculinity, is just that stereotypical idea of what a man is, that very sort of locked in, emotionally distant kind of person who always keeps their emotions in. No, no, that's terrible. It's a garbage understanding of what masculinity is and leads to so so much mental health issues, toxic masculinity, all these kind of things. And again, as I said in episode seven back then, for those who don't believe in toxic masculinity, come on, for God's sake, grow up. But for me... The podcast as a whole was a way to express my opinions, was to, to, to grow my opinions and just to be honest. That was something that I had noted under multiple headings, was that intellectual honesty that the podcast and the, not the pressure, but the awareness that what was being recorded was going to be on the internet forever and yes. was going to be listened to by people. Yeah. And then when I started to realize it was going to be listened to by people who I didn't necessarily know mm-hmm. meant that there wasn't thing. necessarily an opportunity to go, oh, I got that bit wrong. Or last time we spoke, I said this, and I've since found out this is the case. Yeah. So there was that that drive to drill into things and yeah. to identify bits of information that didn't reconcile and to go looking for second and third, fourth sources to reaffirm that information yeah. and to take away that skepticism or remove that sense that something wasn't quite right. It definitely became a time-intensive beast, for sure. As I said in our announcement episode, it was it was a task that I took on and happily took on when it comes to editing and uploading social media and, and, and everything like that. And then on top of that, researching. And to, of course, to the levels of research that we got, those second, third, fourth you know, bits of information to confirm what I originally thought or maybe I was completely wrong, it's a time-intensive thing. So it's a job upon itself. We both work full-time and then it's kind of like, we had a second job on top of that. so And, and something I happily did. I loved every second of it, quite honestly. Better for it. You're yeah. better for it, exactly right. I mean, the editing became a very big undertaking. But the one thing I loved is that I absolutely love the finished product. I don't think we have ever... I think there's podcasts that we put out that are stronger than other podcasts, but I don't think we've ever put out a terrible podcast. And in fact, there's been a couple of times where... Actually, this year when we recorded it, we recorded a podcast and I screwed up my audio on this one. I said, we're not releasing it because it just sounds garbage. I'm not doing it. Yeah. And there's a couple of times where we've done that where it's just like, I'm not recording that. I'm not releasing that because it's just not the quality that we we demanded of ourselves. I've got another heading here, favorite moments, episodes, which you sort of touched on there. Our coverage of the US election this year mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that it was pretty intense uh, not only yeah. the experience of going through the election anyway and being glued to various news organisations and, and websites like and refreshing at 3am yeah. yeah. to check the results <laughs> there was that but there was the relaying of the results the having somebody to discuss it with that was fantastic that was really good especially in the lockdown that we were in at the time that was mm. well, it was sort of we were coming out of the lockdown but at the same time it was it was a huge event, and to have had the opportunity to cover it from one day to the next was quite special. It was quite current information. It was mm. it was one of the times where we got about as close as we could to live reporting. Yeah, yeah. It was very it was daily information, mm-hmm. uh, and we were in a position in our time zone 
to record information as it existed in the wee hours of of North American time zones and publish it quite quickly thereafter. I always feel uncomfortable not editing a podcast because I just want it to be as good as possible. I may have given a couple of them a, a once over sweeper, you know, to make sure that we just got rid of any of the you know stupid blunders or. But mostly, I just whacked it straight up there. So it was very a very raw thing, very in the moment kind of thing. Just download it, turn it to audio, and up it goes. Yeah. And while we were working and waking up in the middle of the night, all these other things were exhausted, and some of it was the sound of two exhausted people. But it was enthusiastic, <laughs> it was accurate, yes. it was interesting. Um, yeah. I really enjoyed that. The other episode that I've got noted down is, I think it was my favourite. My favourite of all the episodes that we did was the was episode 10 this year, episode 90, My Island mm-hmm. Home. Mm-hmm. Um, and particularly in the context of the episode prior, the George Floyd episode i don't think i spent as much time researching any episode as i did that episode and that it was a global movement a global experience contextualized locally Mm -hmm. uh, and it was confronting it was really confronting you realize that australia is the worst in the world in certain regards to its indigenous peoples and and that's there's not a lot of countries that can actually say they legitimately try to wipe a whole population off the face of the planet. And reasonably know. modern. Uh, the, these mm-hmm. attempts were continuing well into the 20th century. Yeah. It was confronting. A lot. I spent a lot of time researching for it. That was the episode I think I was most proud of over the years. There, was, there were other episodes where we talked mm. about the Me Too movement, consent, and they were, they were really important as well. I don't want to discount any of the other no. episodes. But we did a good episode earlier on about freedom of speech. Yep. I liked our coverage of the Mueller report. Mm-hmm. the Mueller investigation, the impeachment investigation. I like the fact that we have consistently reported on climate change. I mean, not that, that we wouldn't, but every element of uh, climate change that you could possibly report on, we have. Um, I don't know what else to say. I mean, we can harp on about our favorite moments for as long as we want, but um, we, we just bore people. Yeah, yeah. Well, and the, the catalog <laughs> is there. For the catalog is there. It'll, it'll always be there as well. And, and our friendship has grown immensely over the last five years. I mean, you, you said, we said this in the announcement. We have spent literally hundreds upon hundreds of hours talking, uh, recording the podcast. Well, 170 hours recording the podcast. Well, probably double that when you consider well, the editing. Editing, yeah. yeah, absolutely. The Facebook messages, everything, yeah. everything. So it's been wonderful to, to see our friendship grow to the point where it is. So that's been an awesome bonus that has come along with this. Do you want to hear some feedback? Yeah, I've been looking forward to this right. because I, I knew you were you were in there checking the messages yep. and, I, and I didn't catch most of them. So okay. I've left myself raw <laughs> to these most right. of this All communication. Right. Some of them are small, some of them are a little bit longer, but I've selected a handful. So here's some good feedback. So Claire uh, wrote to us, very sad to hear the news. You're finishing up. I've been following you guys for so long. Thank you both. That's very kind. Willard said, well done, fellas. Willard, Willard's from the footy club. That's very Willard. Mark, my friend, wrote, well done, fellas. <laughs> Greg, who is a long-time listener who has uh, interacted Regular with us yeah, yeah. quite, quite a bit. Uh, this is what he wrote. When I saw Gareth and Ollie had posted a video with the title, A Big Announcement, I knew it would be one of two things. Either Spotify had offered the lads a Rogan-esque multi-bazillion dollar contract, <laughs> or they were announcing the end of their show. Sadly, it was the latter. Sad for us, the listeners. Anyone who enjoys POC as much as I have really looks forward to a new episode popping up on their chosen device. But for Gareth and Ollie, I'd say it's more a milestone, a goal reached, something worth celebrating, and definitely something of which they, hopefully, are very proud. We are indeed. 
I was a latecomer to the POC party. I think I've been listening to the show for a year or so, but it's definitely been a favorite in that time. In a world with so much misinformation, biased reporting and opinion being passed off as news, it's refreshing to find a show that prides itself on research, reporting facts without all the nonsense and having a few good laughs in between. Stupid Political News definitely has the future as a standalone show. <laughs> so thank you, Gareth and Ollie, for all your hard work, time and effort in creating a wonderfully informative and entertaining show. And thank you for being so accessible. It's been great fun having a chat with you every now and then. Best of luck, fellas. Cheers, Greg. Thank you, Greg. That's, that's very kind. That's very kind, we man. We really thank appreciated, really appreciated your comments over the years. Or over the year, as it turns out. It feels like a lot longer than that. My friend Steve wrote this. I've thoroughly enjoyed politics over coffee. Ollie's detailed, orientated style went well with Gareth's more narrative delivery. And whilst I am losing my two driving companions, at least I have five <laughs> seasons to revisit. Thanks for all the company, guys, and good luck. I'm really happy he said that because the dynamic we have is that I would paint the bigger picture, especially with the introductions, drive the narrative, and you come in with all the minutiae of detail and all that kind of stuff, and then we bounce off each other as well. I'm glad he said that because that's kind of where I felt we set. We, we kind of settled into our groove there. So that's really, really awesome. Um, I'm going to read out my favorite review. Uh, yes. We got it from iTunes. The one star. One out of five. Uh, we got this a few years ago. Here we go. The title, An Example of Self-Satisfied Liberals. <laughs> this has never yeah. got unfunny. This has God. been funny every time. We Here we go. Oh. Tune in if you want to hear two of the most charismatically challenged, smug, and boring-sounding worst examples of left-leaning people in Australia. They literally just regurgitate the news from two weeks ago and offer zero opinions that you haven't heard five times on any other website. I love it! Fantastic. I do hope that whoever that is is still listening. (laughs) Bless them. The Pouch sent us a very nice thank you and goodbye. The value of a podcast on any subject is diversity of opinions. You're allowed to be wrong, rude, or crude. That's me. Overanalyze, editorialize, and sometimes even be factually accurate. Sometimes all of those things in the same episode. We love politics over coffee. From the excitable split-second aggression of Gareth to the level-headed analysis of Ollie. I don't think there are many instances where people have described me as not the split-second aggression person, but I'll take it. Not to say that Gareth doesn't also analyse like a boss. The team has uh, provided a great amount of content entertaining us to say nothing of their adoring fans. We're saddened to see the sundown on Politics Over Coffee, but we're super happy to steal their naming rights (laughs) and thus their unimpeachable record. And of course, with us stealing their name, they won't be able to ever come back again, which gives at least one of us an immense pleasure to feel like a super villain but seriously we wish the team well and look forward to hearing about what comes next solo or as a badass team we know them to be (laughs) thank you fellas no you cannot have our name (laughs) for anyone who hasn't followed along these are the gents that we did a couple of crossover episodes with this year all right now this is the one message i think i said earlier on in the podcast which i wanted to read out because this really encapsulates a lot of what we were aiming for with the podcast this is from one of our listeners called Arij, and I, I hope, A-R-E-E-J, I'm, I'm so hope that I'm pronouncing your name right. Hi, Gareth and Ollie. Very sad to see the podcast ending, but also you both deserve a very well-deserved rest. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> I've been meaning to send this message for ages now, but I guess this is the best time for it. <laughs> How do you, like, for it, ha-ha. 
Like it sounds so, yeah, 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 you know. You, you oh, can't well. read it. You out. can't it read work. it out, yeah. <laughs> I've been listening to this podcast ever since year 12 of high school when I came across it for my legal studies assignment and now I just finished my third year of university and I still religiously listen to it. I have probably re-listened to each episode at least thrice, and yes, even those really old archived episodes. I just wanted Uh-oh. to say that this Does podcast... That series one? <laughs> uh, there's only episode 15 onwards for, for series one, so I just wanted to say that this podcast has kept me in touch with politics even after I lost my passion for it. I wanted to pursue journalism and politics, but that dream quickly changed. And have absolutely loved how informative, honest, and upfront you have both been throughout the episodes. All your segments have been fabulous, and I'll be re-listening to the episodes once POC finishes till I've probably memorized every single episode. Sorry for the long rant. If you guys happen to read this out on the last episode, I will be fangirling a lot. Fangirl away, Arish. Uh, thank you again for this wonderful podcast and happy holidays. Where she talks about um, how informative, honest, and upfront you both have been throughout the episodes, that's exactly what we're going for. And this is the person, Arish is exactly encapsulates the person who we're after. Someone who's not necessarily the political wonks that we are, but just wants to be engaged and wants to be informed. And the difficult thing that we had was balancing that line between being informative but being accessible. And I think that's the line that we walked successfully for a lot, well, for, for the entirety of the five years. And mm-hmm. we obviously got better over the years. I actually teared up when I read that because that just hit me right in the right where it needed to hit me. Yeah, you know, so a beautiful note. Yeah, thank you so much. That that's really awesome. And there's something special about receiving that from somebody that we don't know personally. No, we don't. Um, no, I mean we don't know Greg either. True. You know, we've only come to know Greg because of just chatting back and forth. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And I think. And I mentioned this on the on Patreon that for me a big part of the experience of politics over coffee has been realizing and accepting and making my peace with the fact that what we have to say, the research that we put in, is valuable to people and they want to listen to it. And it's yeah. not just family and friends. That there are people out there who want this information. They want it presented in the way that we would like it yeah. presented. Yeah. Um. And, and that's been a huge part of the experience for me. The last bit of feedback I want to read out is actually from my wife, who I'm obviously separated from. I wasn't expecting her to write in, but she wrote this. Hi, guys. Longtime supporter, infrequent listener. And that's, that's absolutely true. She actually asked me um, not too long ago. She goes, Did, were you ever annoyed that I didn't listen too much to your podcast? I'm like, no, absolutely not. That's not your thing. That's totally fine. Yep. Um, but... My wife did other things to support us. She cooked us so many awesome meals. Uh, I actually couldn't count how many times that happened. <laughs> Amazing meals. She is an, a fabulous cook. Early in the show, when we were recording in your kitchen, um, <laughs> she made herself scarce studying, like aligning her study schedule with when we were Amazing. recording. She put up with me editing long into the night, long research days, all those kind of Hours things. Hours of us Absolutely. occupying rooms and, yeah. and entire apartments I, I look and quite honestly part of the success of this podcast is her patience with me and us occupying that <laughs> that kitchen kicking her out of the lounge room so she had to go into the bedroom mm. or me occupying where we used to live together in in, in the apartment that we bought i, I occupied a, a whole room like that was our studio look yeah she supported us in her own way and it was appreciated every single second i'll continue with her message I just want to say that I think you have both done an amazing job to make it to 100 episodes. What an achievement. I only ever listened to a few episodes over the years, but from the feedback I heard from others, it sounded like you guys were onto something really great. Explained things really clearly, reported on the facts, and did so in a way that was easy for us non-politicos to understand. Thank you. Yes. No bad feedback from me, other than maybe you mentioned... (laughs) 
No bad feedback from me other than maybe more mentions of cats next time. <laughs> uh, cats she is, Yeah, she is a massive cat freak. I'll continue with her message. I like that chick who did a few spin-off episodes of Cats Over Coffee. She sounded like she knew what she was talking about. Now, anybody listening to this podcast knows absolutely nothing about Cats Over Coffee. Cats Over Coffee was basically the times that Nadia hijacked our One microphones, microphones. <laughs> and just sat there and did like two, three-minute episodes of Cats. Off just, the cuff. Just, just off the cuff. And we just released it on my Facebook feed and that was it. Nothing public. I know Nadia and I have had our differences, obviously, where we are in our lives now. I don't care who you are. Funny is fucking funny. And her second episode is literally hands down one of the funniest things I've ever heard in my and life. It's just, it's just freestyling. She it just is walked just into the study, off the top of grabbed her head. a microphone and started catting. It is ridiculously funny. It, it really is. It Yeah. I'm not going to release it because I don't think she would like it to be released. And I've got to respect that. But it just hands down. It is one of the funniest things. And she does take the piss out of us a little bit, which is also She funny. does. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, all the best to both of you. Um, I'm sure this might be the last time we'll hear from you both. Thank you. Take care, Nadia. I was not expecting that. I really wasn't. You know, we haven't spoken directly for a couple of months and it's really, yeah, it's hard. I feel her lack of presence right now. I could be back where we were in our in our apartment and she's outside clanging those pots. Yeah, yeah, Always yeah. clanging the pots. <laughs> <laughs> Barging in looking for a towel. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, without her in it, the world is not as colourful. Um, that's yeah, the best way I can put it. So I thank her for this message. Uh, I was really not expecting it. And thank you for all the delicious meals. Thank you for everything. Thank you for putting up with me, editing well into the, to the night. I mean, I remember the first series, it would take me three days to edit a podcast. Now it takes me like you know, four or five hours. Um, so that's definitely gotten better. All the research, all the time she'd walk in and give me food while I'm sitting at the thing. All the time she'd, she'd walk in and I'd be like, oh my God. Stop wh- walking stop in. Stop walking in. <laughs> Like, I just need this one. I just no. need this I don't know. <laughs> uh, i eternally grateful and eternally thankful to uh, to her. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know what, where else to go from now. We're, we're getting towards the end of this. Do you have some people you want to thank? I do. It might be a natural transition. Yeah, absolutely, I do. Yeah, very much so. You go first because I've been, I've been chatting for a little oh, bit. Oh, that's fine. Someone that I think we would both thank uh, was the person who originally suggested that we even do this. Jesus. Uh, yeah, yeah. Jesus, um, yeah. Lady Jesus. Uh, <laughs> she's overseas. German, German Jesus. That's right, German Jesus. Um, <laughs> she was someone I think we both worked with. That was how we met. Yes, yeah, yeah absolutely. We all, yeah, yeah. We all yeah, met yeah. at a workplace. Yeah, um, office jerks. Yeah, just a suggestion at some time that we had a coffee and, and five plus years later, here we are. It not only did it get off the ground, but we've recorded... Hundreds of hours, hundreds of episodes, hundreds of releases, I suppose. Yep. So it was a great idea. And, and thank you for for not only thinking that it was a good idea, but suggesting it to us. And, <laughs> you know, we owe you the a huge part of where we've arrived. Yeah, absolutely. And she's the person who's first said, you know what, you've created a thing. Thing, yeah. Like, yeah, we have. We've created a thing. So, yeah, uh, I can't add any more to that other than, Kate, thank you very much. For one day, just going, you know what? You and Ollie should just do a podcast. You kind of guys seem yeah, to, you just, you know, seem to click a little bit. I'm like, all right, we'll give it a go. All right, fine, let's do it. God damn it, here we are. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have, uh, you know, a- I would like to thank. 
PJ Kavanagh for letting us use his song Who Stole Greta's Childhood. Remember that? Yeah, I do. Yes. I also like to thank Andy Medic from the Animal Justice Party for being uh, such a wonderful person to uh, allow me to interview him back in episode five. Your turn, sir. Um, I wanted to thank you. <gasps> and I'm getting in early because oh you can't thank me <laughs> first this time. Um, and that is that you have tirelessly edited uh, uploaded, promoted, posted, interviewed people, driven how our, f- our format existed, mm. considering changes and additions from where we started, where we were basically doing articles of interest, and that was, in effect, the oh, entire yeah, show, yeah, to absolutely. full-blown yeah. topics, to deep dives uh, around the world, the edition of Around the World. We randomly covered a bunch of international stories one day and released that, and it evolved into its own show, mm-hmm. which we've done something like 50 episodes of now. Yeah, 54, um, something like that. Yeah. 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 Um, we let go of rants and moved to stupid political news. Mm. Uh, and there was this... Uh, the podcast matured in a huge part because of your attention to the big picture, which, you, which you've addressed already, is mm. that you were uh, viewing that. I know we discussed early on that I was spending a lot of time on other things and, and wasn't a, a time-rich person, and you took on all of these things willingly. But we wouldn't be here unless you'd done all of those things. I literally would not be here mm-hmm. uh, if yeah. you hadn't taken on all of those things. Yeah. And uh, people say, oh, you know, you're a co-host too. And I say, yeah, well, I'm, I'm a co-host. Gareth is the mechanics of the podcast. Mm. This is how it actually is a thing, is because I research, he researches, we get together, we discuss, we come up with a topic and a format and whatever else, and we we have a run sheet, and and we get together and discuss and record. And Gareth has invested in the microphones, in the the mixer, software, but far more than that, his time over the years Mm. in learning to use all this confounded software that I just want to set fire to. Um, oh, I, I want to set fire to it. Yeah, <laughs> and throughout this recording, we've both wanted to set fire to it. So that has been a contribution that's basically immeasurable, I think, after five years. Oh, thank you. Uh, thank you. You're welcome. Uh, it's It's been... I love the end result. I love every time that something goes up, a podcast goes up, and I see the, the downloads start and... The feedback on our Facebook page and the interaction and everything like that—I just I love it, and I happily took it on. I mean, it's in a combination of you know I did multimedia when I was younger. I know how to edit. I know how to do all these things. So graphic design background. So it's just really yeah. It's just it just came together and really worked for this, and it was for a topic that we both loved. You know, and we could get as nerdy as we want. And the beautiful thing about a podcast format is there is no real format. It's whatever you make it to be. You can you can have a Joe Rogan three four hour long format where you just interviews to people or you can have 30 minutes of uh, Freakonomics or whatever it is or a, a panel show or, or how stuff works or a panel show like Left, Right and Centre. It all works. That's, that's the beautiful thing about podcasting is that it's, it's up to you and as long as you create a quality program, that's all that really counts. Yeah. So, thank you. I, I really appreciate that. And for yourself, I mean, I, I know I do the mechanics as you just said but I come in with a large format idea when it comes to the introductions and things like that and sort of understand the run sheet and, pa- and paint the sort of overall narrative of the episode. But you come in with the detail. That is an immeasurable part of this. Politics over coffee is not politics over coffee without the attention to detail. And that's what exactly what people are saying, informative. That's mainly you. What you bring to this podcast is that attention to detail. And the one thing I've loved over the years is that you have become so much more comfortable with your own sense of humor. 
I, like you have. Like you are. You listen to a series two, series one. And compared to Series 5, you are much more comfortable in your own skin, much more comfortable in the way you articulate yourself. You're much more articulate than I am. But you can feel and see and hear. Well, I could see it because we're sitting across from each other or we're on Skype or whatever. But you can feel that and hear it as you're becoming more comfortable with yourself. So you've grown really into a very good speaker, a very good commentator, a very good presenter. And it's been really, really good to hear because I hear it all the time. I hear us all the time. Yeah, we to the, spend hours yeah. listening to us over and over and, and over To the again. point where people say, aren't you sick of your own voice? But I don't actually hear us. I hear the voices. I actually really like the sound of my own voice, but I don't see it as my voice. I just see it as these are the voices that I'm editing. It really, it's a weird detachment thing. And I know you hate your own voice, but you shouldn't but because then I, it sounds fine. I don't fine. spend three times as long. Yeah. <laughs> listening to the editing <laughs> but I understand I do all the, the nuts and bolts but the show isn't the show without you I can't go on and do politics over coffee by myself that's just not how that works so I can't thank you enough for being as fastidious as you are is that the right word? fastidious? fastidious fastidious yeah. when it comes to attention to detail when it comes to your love of infrastructure when it comes to <laughs> <laughs> but you bring up a perspective that I don't have and, and I bring a perspective versa. that you don't have yeah. and that meshes really well. And there's multiple times throughout the podcast I'm like, I didn't even think of that point of view. You know, oh, and vice versa. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that's where I think... my notes at all and you've just filled in the blank without yeah. me even realising there was a blank. So without you, there is no policy over coffee because it's just, it's going to be me talking and... <laughs> A whole bunch of blank spaces. And we really complement each other. And I think that's been part of the success of this show. And the fact that we have people writing in saying how much this has meant to them and that it is listened to around the world, that has been downloaded tens of thousands of times, that it's, it's meant something to, to people. It's not just meant something to us. It's meant something to other people. People we don't know have mm-hmm. got benefit out of this from all around the world. That is freaking awesome. That is far beyond anything that we could have imagined. And... I cannot thank you enough and I cannot thank the listeners enough for being part of this five years. This is a substantial part of our lives that I am extraordinarily proud of. We've created a product that holds up against any other podcast in the world, any other podcast. It doesn't matter if we're going against CNN, This American Life, whatever it might be, the content, the quality, everything, neck and neck with them. That's what we've created. It may not have the wide audience because we don't have the budget. Yeah. We're not a freaking giant million-dollar corporation, billion-dollar corporation. No, no one's paying us for no, adverts. exactly or, right. Yeah. Yes. But it is what it is, and we have created something that is awesome, that the quality stands up against anybody. So, thank you. Oh, most welcome. I think you've led me almost conveniently, probably intentionally, uh, to thanking other people. <laughs> thanking um, other people, exactly. And part of that story of me becoming more comfortable with presenting is the people who I know who listen to the show, and when I see them, will launch into a topic. They will have just listened to an episode. Oh, yeah. Or yeah, whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. And for them, I'm right there. They've just been listening, or whatever it mm-hmm, is, mm-hmm. and they're halfway through thinking about this topic or they're thinking about what I said about a topic and they're raring to go and they just launch into it and I've got no context at all. Yeah. But part of that experience for me has been that I've been forced to become comfortable with the idea that people valued what we had to say, what I had to say, mm-hmm. that they wanted to listen. That they These were not sympathy listens. It got to a point where I just couldn't believe that that, that was true. It, it wasn't true. 
but I was forced out of, and sometimes I need to be forced out of certain patterns of thinking. And that was one of those instances. And there are, there are a number of friends who have engaged with the podcast over the years to, to varying extents who I suppose deserve a shout out. I'm terrified of missing names because I'm going to, but people who've engaged on these topics with me, Sam, Milton, John, and a special shout out to a friend of my grandma's, Rosemary, <laughs> who I haven't asked if it's okay that I mention her. Hopefully it is all right, but she is a, a long-time dedicated listener to the show, oh, lovely. Uh, which is fantastic. And last time I saw her a few weeks ago, she mentioned that she was still listening and that she really appreciated it, that she thought it was excellent. And that's the height of praise. Thank Um, you for listening, Rosemary. We really, really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely do. There have been a range of experiences of the podcast. I know a lot of people who've listened to one episode. My little sister, I think, listened to to not even one episode and decided it wasn't for her. That's That's okay, too. That's fine. Um, I had a friend at a previous job who I know listened to the podcast in order to fall asleep. Uh, (laughs) So the the dulcet tones of Gareth and all of the uh, to sleep, Gareth, fine. ASMR. Well, apparently, <laughs> POC. And look, that's. I don't really have any objection to that either. I think everyone has experiences of these things. And, and if you want to get involved and you want to have the conversation and, and you're engaged by it and so on, that's great. I know some people will listen to the podcast or have listened to the podcast just for their general news, just to mm-hmm. find out yeah, about what's sure. going on in the world. Yep. And um, certainly my mum mentioned the other day that, you know, what am I going to do? How am I going to find out what's going on? Don't worry, <laughs> I'll, I'll send you some things to listen to. <laughs> it's been a great thing. Um, it has. And, and it's been very flattering that people have, when I've, yeah, when I've sure. spoken to them, yeah. have introduced these topics and said i was listening to this episode and you said this or gareth said that or whatever it was and i thought this was the case or don't you think this is the case or i didn't agree or and it's that willingness to engage Mm. um that i've loved i've really appreciated that because it's been so much about what i wanted from the podcast which was this idea that you could invite people to have these conversations Mm -hmm. even where they disagreed with you yep and that perhaps they would be having conversations with other people as a result <laughs> where they didn't necessarily agree yeah. on issues. And look, for the most part, our social media was pretty damn good compared to others. I mean, we'd had a couple of flame wars and things like that and people throwing some some insults back and forth. But for the most part, people who engaged in conversations were pretty damn good. So They really were. Yeah, they really were. They're really, really good. Uh, there, there are people overseas who've continued to listen and that we've seen them pop up in the statistics over the years, mm-hmm. knowing that they're still listening overseas reinforces for me that we're still providing relevant content that's yep. not necessarily Melbourne-centric, which is an easy trap to fall into when, when that's where you live. That's fantastic. So, it is. It really is. I don't have anything more to say. I'm at the end of my notes. Oh, Jesus Christ. That's it. That's Final it. thoughts? It's been awesome. Um I know I've said this absolutely every single podcast is that, you know, I don't care whether or not you listen to us every week, once a fortnight, once a month. It doesn't bother me because I'm just glad that you've been along for the ride. There was countless names and countless people that we could we could point to. And I don't want to start <laughs> naming names because I'm going to miss people. Yeah, yeah. I, I gave up on that yeah. pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This only ends badly. Yeah. <laughs> so this is just to everybody who has listened to us. I've had amazing time. I've developed a friendship with Ollie that is going to last for the rest of my life. And if nothing else, I know you and I are going to still flick politics stuff. Oh, there's no question. Of course, absolutely. Yeah. Um, doesn't matter Spend if we have a podcast central. or not. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Just thank you to everybody. And I could not have asked for a better five years. That's it. It's been a real privilege. It has been a real privilege. Ollie, my friend, here's some wine. 
Looking at the last of the Pinot Noir, which I've been mostly we, drinking. We timed that. So perfection. we did. Cheers, my friend. For the last time, do you want to take us out? Thank you, everybody, very much for listening. We have, as always, had a great time recording. We won't see you again for another episode of Politics Over Coffee. We wish you a very happy holiday season, a happy new year. It's been a pleasure and a privilege. See everybody. Bye-bye. Welcome to the very first episode of Politics Over Coffee. This is a uh, fortnightly podcast dedicated to international and domestic politics, social issues and debates of the day, and a little bit of science every now and then. My name is Gareth Strasamatis, and sitting across from me is Oliver Corey. Hey, Gareth. How you going, buddy? Just fine, thank you. Nervous? Uh, a little. Yeah, me too. We'll see how we go. Yeah, I think this will be good. I think it'll be a lot of fun.